For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Right, that uh, awful tragedy, not for the first time a TikTok challenge has taken the life of a young person and there are, unfortunately, a number of deaths being, being, uh, uh, being reported out of Australia. Uh, but now we know the name of the 14-year-old girl who died after inhaling an aerosol as part of a dangerous social media challenge on TikTok. Her name was um, Sarah Meskel uh, from Kaloshtuvara in Ennis County, Mayo. Um, it's believed the youngster was taking part in a trend known as chroming that involves spraying aerosol um, and uh, ultimately um, inhaling, of course, and probably, although a moment of correction on this, um, filming it as as part of the challenge. Isn't it, isn't it a weird world that, um, you know, you, you have the likes of your Twitters and your Facebooks and your TikToks and your Snapchats and they're saying, oh no, we do our best to keep dangerous content off our platforms. Yeah, 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 yeah. Waffle, waffle, waffle. But yet they seem to continue uh, to get away with it. Um, and it's just so tragic then when impressionable young people who can be easily influenced uh, get involved in challenges like this that ultimately leads to their death. And social media just sails on, off into the sunset, nothing to see here. Thank you very much. It just gets worse and worse. I do not know why. Um, the big seizure of drugs, of course, uh, off the County Cork Coast dominates many of the papers this morning. I will come back to all of that in a few minutes' time because there's some interesting updates, so there are with regards to uh, events in the past 12 to 18 hours, 24 hours even, from Barry Road, so more on that. But you know the tragedy. We talk about tragedies, uh, whether it's the, the young girl and the TikTok challenge. Uh, Iron Man was another tra- uh, tragedy down in Yaw where... Uh, two triathlon um, 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 you know, competitors lost their lives down. It's awfully sad. Uh, one of the questions that people were wondering at the time would, con- would be uh, whether County Council would continue to back the Ironman event for 2024 no, they, because they have backed it for 2019, 2022, 2023. And the question was, would they cut and run now after the tragedy? Well, the, case, the answer to that is no. Uh, Cork County Council will continue to back the Ironman event. It's a story that makes the echo today. And then do you remember the recent story of them uh, clearing out all of the floors of um, weather spoons because uh, somebody went in allegedly with a gun? Uh, well, that individual has been before the courts. Uh, Judge Olin Kelleher remanded him uh, on bail until uh, the middle of October by the name of Eugene O'Neill from Mahan. It was actually a realistic imitation handgun pointed by the 48-year-old man during a late-night incident at the uh, Crane Lane premises in Cork City as he declared that he was uh, a Garda and would have 50 officers on the scene if he wasn't allowed to finish his pint. Uh, so there's more than one of these type of incidents, of course, being reported. We also heard of another one. Uh, with regards to, um, you know, Weatherspoons there recently. But this one was the Crane Lane story. Um, uh, we'll have to see what happens with that one, but it was described as a realistic imitation uh, handgun. Um, and then the Garda Shikona, who are you going to call if you need help or if you're in trouble? Uh, the guards, but they are not happy. They just are not happy with Drew Harris. And we know uh, that recently there was, of course, the... Um, uh, the vote where ninety eight percent of them said that they didn't want to work under him and they didn't he didn't have their he didn't have their confidence and stuff like that. We are now talking about a Drew flu. Uh, you remember the blue flu? Well, the Mail used the term Drew flu on the front of the paper this morning, describing proposed strikes by Angarda Shikana. And they it's 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 thought now at this stage that members are threatening to strike because of the change to an old roster. I'll tell you more about the roster in a minute. But uh, Gardi said that they will withdraw overtime on the 10th of October 
That's the day of the budget. And they're also going to withdraw overtime at Halloween. And then 11,000 of them, the entire force, will go on an all-out strike on November the 10th. So, this is hotting up, lads. This is getting very serious. So, uh, two weeks ago, almost 99% of them said they had no confidence in the commissioner. Um, And there is a, a roster... Um, which they have at the moment, or the one they have at the moment, without overly confusing this, the guards already have a roster uh, where they work 12-hour shifts for four days and then they have four days off. Drew Harris wants to go back to an older roster, which would be six days on, four days off, each shift lasting 10 hours, except for an eight-hour shift on Sunday. And the guards are now kind of saying, yeah, you can, you can propose that if you want, but we're not going to work that. We're just going to carry on with the roster that we have. Thank you very much. So it'll be interesting to see what Drew Harris's future will be in all of this. Uh, the political parties make the papers also today with the Irish Times, uh, showing that all Sinn Féin really have to do is sit on their hands, do nothing. Thing, keep their mouths shut, don't make any mistakes, no major bloopers, and all would be fine. They're up another 3% in the Irish Times poll, and they're light years ahead now, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. Uh, disappointing news where they drop again, Fianna Fáil to 20%, Fianna Gael to 18%, and Sinn Féin at 34% on their own. So, way out ahead, and the only way I think that Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael could ever get back into power would be possibly... Um, in uh, well they could do it with the Greens and Labour and Social Democrats and a, a whole lucky bag of stuff uh, but it really might make more sense to look at a coalition between FG, FF and Sinn Féin actually we'll have to wait and see for those of you that are working from home I love giving out these, t- these uh, tips for people who are working um, from home uh, during the week I was telling you about the extra poundage that you put on because you're working from home and, and having short trips to the fridge too often um, if you um, use your laptop an awful lot um, and you're looking to land a job and you're doing a job interview or, or you use your screen for meetings, right? Um, they give you some tips this morning in the UK Times how to make yourself look more interesting, smarter and more hireable. Um, don't have a stupid black, uh, backdrop behind you. The best way to land a job or to look smarter or likeable is either have a, a very healthy houseplant behind you a very healthy one, or a bookshelf full of books. Because that, apparently, will obviously make you look smarter. So it's either houseplants that aren't dying, or bookshelves, and the job is yours. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. I just wanted to separate out the, uh, the drug bust yesterday over the past few days off the Cork coast because a lot of it dominates the newspapers. About now. Barry Roach, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times, with the mayor this morning says it's about 500 millions worth now. It's about 2.2 tonne. Um, and when you look at the, okay, the wholesale price of it, you have to change it then to retail. By the time it hits the streets, this is half a billion. So the Kennehans apparently had a significant stake in this half a billion euro cocaine haul. Uh, and of course, the MV lies down below in the harbour and it's got all sorts of personnel on board. You've got revenue there, you've got uh, joint task force there, you've got the customs there, you've got Guardi, you've got Navy, all sorts of people going through it with a fine tooth comb. A huge hit to crime is the front pager uh, making the echo and the echo quote the 157 million euro figure. That was confusing us yesterday but that's the wholesale price. It really is closer to half a billion when you actually put the uh, retail price on it by the time it hits the streets. But none of this 2.2 kilos, pardon me, tons will hit the streets. Now, Barry Rose joins me by phone, Southern Correspondent with the with the Irish Times. He makes a very interesting point in the Irish Times this morning where he says that there is no way that you bring a 64,000 ton capacity ship, container ship, 
across the Atlantic with just two and a half tonnes of coke on it in the sense that this could well have been the last drop, the last 2.2 tonnes of it, worse to that effect. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm good. And you're you're suggesting in the article from your sources that they had done loads of drops, say, down around the Canaries and Spain and Portugal and stuff ahead of coming up to us, was it? Yeah, what's interesting about this is that the the boat, the boat carrier, the MV Matthew, hasn't called into any port with a legitimate cargo. I mean, she's a bulk carrier. She'd be carrying car parts. She could be carrying grain. She could be carrying fertilizer. A whole range of possible cargoes. But she hasn't called to any port in Europe with that. So that suggests to people I was talking to that she actually didn't come across the Atlantic with anything other than cocaine. And then if you accept that premise... You don't bring a sixty-four thousand a boat with a sixty-four thousand ton capacity, with just two point two tons of cocaine in it, and that sort of tallies then with the fact that she spent about a week foostering around the Canaries and worked her way up along the west coast of Portugal, northern Spain, up the Bay of Biscay by France, and then crossed over. So the suspicion is, and it's only suspicion, that she may have done multiple drops prior to arriving in Irish waters um, on Friday, Saturday, um, when obviously the our suspected rendezvous with the trawler, the Castle Moor, out of Castlethumber, having been sold there by the, the fishermen, mm. that that didn't materialise. So, and the other side of it then is that 2.2 million, as someone said, or sorry, 2.2 tons. You don't send a boat across the Atlantic with that for the Irish and British markets alone. No, no. It, uh, so it, the speculation is that it had it was a serious mothership and had a serious amount of drugs on it. But couldn't they look at charts or the navigation system, Absolutely. GPS, automated waypoints and things where the, where the ship was? Yeah, what's interesting about this and the reason I sort of picked up on it was... Um, Lucky day, the, the, the rib that went caught capsized in Dunlock Bay back in 2007, you know, when they put the, they put used petrol in the mm. diesel engine, they mm. brought petrol out to wash down the, the, bo- the rib, so there were many traces of cocaine, but some genius put mm. petrol in and the whole thing went skewers. Um, during that, that was a trial. Most of the other cases we've had in Cork, all the other big seizures, people pleaded guilty. Now, there was an incentive for them because Judge O'Donovan had jailed uh, three of the lads off the... Um, lucky data for 27 and 25 years so there was an incentive to plead but because it was a trial we heard evidence of that and we heard how satellite phones were used to track the vessel mm. across the Atlantic and also mobile phones and we had a situation where there was evidence given that uh, a Garda went out on the Ely Aoife uh, 36 miles off to see whether you could get a phone signal from Bantry or from the land to there and you with uh, I think it was a Vodafone phone mobile phone and it was so that sort of stuff is going to form part central to this investigation they'll seize logbooks the manifest what's on board charts and things like that and that's not to say that if you're drug smuggling that you wouldn't forge your logbook oh I see false entries but there is a thing on board the ship's called automated identification systems if they can download the memory from that that will give them a correct um, account of where the ship has been so they then can check that against the logbook to see whether the logbook entries are correct or whether they're forged now the other downside of the possible problem with that is if the, the captain switched off the automatic uh, yeah. identification system and it isn't working or if they attempt to destroy it I haven't heard that they did do that but I do know that they tried to destroy some of the drugs when the rangers uh, came out of the sky at them as that, was, that was another point they, what have they done with they, they, they tried to put the cocaine onto into lifeboats and burn them is, is it? they put it into a lifeboat and it threw some accelerant possibly diesel on it and tried to uh, ignite it or set it on fire the rangers were very quick off the mark and they grabbed fire extinguishers and extinguished the blaze so the cocaine was 
saved, I suppose, or preserved. So that will obviously be part of the evidence in any future trial. But So they, they, they were filed in their attempt to destroy the cocaine. But what's interesting about this and what I find talking to a few guardians about last night, the fact that they didn't have any other cargo to mask what they were doing mm. is extraordinarily daring to, or brazen mm. to say the least. Mm. You know, because were they stopped anywhere else? They're an, an empty freighter, bar, whatever you know, I mean, I presume the most that they'd have had would be a couple of tonnes of, of cocaine, but nothing other than that on board the ship and you're sailing around the, um, across the Atlantic and up the west coast of Europe with nothing to sort of disguise or hide your, your cargo. Well, your you could cargo. speculate that they had vast quantities of it and this was the end of it. And while it was a good day for, for law and order, it wasn't such a bad day if they managed to shift all the rest of it. Yeah, but the route is then disrupted. I mean, I, I, as you say, some of the papers are saying a huge hit, and obviously uh, I wasn't at the press conference, the press briefing in Dublin yesterday, but Assistant Commissioner Justin Kelly said it was a serious blow to a major cartel. The impression that I'm only following this, obviously, from what I'm reading and seeing on television, that it's a number of crime groups coming together and yeah, yeah, putting yeah. money to, into it, putting the logistics in place, that this sort of thing wouldn't be financed by just, or operated by just one. And I see some, uh, Michael O'Toole in the mirror saying it's, um, it's a former um, drug cartel in Colombia made up of former raping paramilitaries so these are serious serious people that are obviously behind this and obviously they've taken a hit so there will be a lot of unhappy people somewhere uh, yesterday and today okay. Okay. so just finally what, what's actually happening with the ship now they're going through it with the, I mean we've seen photographs of huge quantities of bales and bales of it so that's the, that's the what else do they need to do on board the MV my, my understanding is that uh, the Ship came into Marina Point about eight o'clock on Tuesday night. Uh, she was immediately sealed off. There were members of the Armed Support Unit Guardi surrounded and created a perimeter fence there. A Guardi then from the Garda National Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau uh, began unloading it on the basis of two point two tons, and they tend to sort of be um, baled in twenty five kilo bales. That's the experience we've had previously. But that that works out at about ninety bales. And my understanding is it took them about six to eight hours to unload that and that was shipped up to Dublin. Samples would be taken and sent to Forensic Science Ireland for uh, confirmation that it's cocaine and also the purity which will determine the actual ultimate street value as you say the figure. Uh, I, I think looking back on it in hindsight maybe the best from looking at my previous reports where we were giving monetary values maybe the the best, most accurate way is the actual bulk, and this is 2.2 tons, so it's bigger than the other ones. I mean, the, I think there's one ton in McKay Bella, 1.5 in another one. So, and then you work out your obviously the valuation will change over time. 1.9 was uh, Dances with Waves, waves and 1.5 oh, yeah. was Dunlock Bay. Okay, yeah. so this is 2.2. So when Gardy said it's the biggest ever, they're correct in terms of actual volume. Um, and I presume, I'm only guessing this up, but I presume the value of cocaine has gone up since, or the cost of cocaine, or the price of cocaine has gone up since um, back in the, the early noughties or the mid-noughties, and you're paying 70,000 uh, euro a kilo now a year. But the most recent development then in it was the fact that last night Gardas press put out a statement that they'd arrested three men. Uh, my understanding Three? So there's like 25 on the ship, isn't there? Oh, they're 20, no, actually, I think he's not wishing to... My understanding is that 21, a crew of 21. The skipper was airlifted off following a row, it seems now, on Monday night, and he was taken to Waterford University Hospital. He was discharged Tuesday after treatment for his, obviously, not huge serious injuries, and he was arrested by Gardy. He was found, I think, to have about 
$60,000 in a bag with him. So he was arrested. So he's the first guy in, sorry, he's the third guy in custody because we have the two chaps who were arrested off the trawler. That's right. arrested off the trawler in Wexford on Sunday night, Monday morning. But then yesterday, last night, three people were arrested and they're the three officers on board uh, the MV Matthew, the rest of the crew are still in situ there. The three arrested are two Ukrainian guys and an Iranian. Uh, one of the Ukrainians is in Fermoy for questioning and the other two, the other Ukrainian and the Iranian is in Cove. They're arrested under Section 50 of the Criminal Justice Act, which allows Gardaí hold people for uh, seven seven days so they have some time with them. They have some English, my understanding is, but because of the seriousness of what's going down here and what's being what they're being asked about they're being given the benefit of interpreters so there can be no ambiguity in terms of their replies to what they're asked by Gardaí and it's the Garda National Drugs Organised Crime Bureau uh, officers in Dublin who are leading the investigation mm-hmm. into that so that's where we're at at the moment as I understand it uh, but there may be more revelations today as to as I say a lot of the media coverage is focusing on who funded this where it's coming from um it's what's interesting, and I think I said it to you maybe yesterday, this ship changed names on the 1st of August. She was the MV Hanman, Chinese-owned, Chinese-registered, and then she became the MV uh, Matthew, owned by a company called Matthew Maritime Incorporated, who are based in the Marshall Islands, which is in the Pacific between Hawaii and Australia. But they have a website, but I think this is the only boat they have. And by all accounts, she's in poor enough, Nick. Um, you know, she's not in great great shape. And as we've heard during the week or during the last few days, she actually lost engine power at one stage and was drifting here. So um, she's 20 years old, but she doesn't seem to have been maintained particularly well. Yeah, so it's not any great catch as to it's who keeps it or owns it or what happens for, with it next. for 9.5 million, I think, which, you know, obviously is a huge amount of money, but in probably shipping terms is isn't uh, mm. top of the range as it were you know okay we'll stay in touch so if there are any developments across the next few days but Barry thank you for the update we're right up to date now Barry Rhodes Southern Correspondent with the uh, Irish Times text 0868 what was happening in the past actually for many years you look at 96 and 98 and 99 and you know 2007 and 2008 um, right 2014 a lot of these big seizures and they were big you know you'd be looking at um, you know 1.2 tonnes be looking at 500 um, kilograms 1.5 tonnes 1 Point nine tons. So a lot of tonnage has been seized, but has been seized. But it's very interesting because when I was reading up on it, um, most of them were off yachts and catamarans. You know, bit now big yachts. I'm talking about forty to sixty foot yachts. So they had big hulls. They would be you know hiding and storing and burying the cocaine in the hull, falls panelling. But we're in a different league now when you got these big super containers. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Red FM. Lots of texts, lots of emails, and I will get to a lot of them throughout the course of the morning. We had a very heartbreaking, um, and in fact, you know, the one at least something good came out of it yesterday. My conversation with uh, with Amy about herself and her wonderful husband Sean and her three young children, and Sean, of course, with uh, very advanced uh, cancer. Um, and while he's trying to stay as positive as he can, uh, the diagnosis or the prognosis or the expectation medically is a year um, and uh, they're trying to make the most of the time that he has left. 
They were chatting yesterday. It was very sad because, of course, they were knocked back with any help from the state. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe that somebody at the age of 32 is dying and will leave a wife and three children behind and yet gets knocked back for all sorts of different types of uh, payments that should and could be made by the state because they means test people, you know. They means test in the sense that, yeah, your husband may be dying. He might have less than a year to live. But you keep on going out to work now you because you're the, you're the breadwinner. You're the earner. We're means testing you. Um, and we're not going to give you any support. We're not going to give your husband any support when really what they want is to spend a lot of time together and make memories for the children. So then yesterday, um, um, we had a fantastic offer and uh, it was a really beautiful one from the, the children's uh, hospital. Uh, the children's fund where you have um, a core group of people who take kids off to um, uh, Euro Disney. And that was a wonderful, wonderful offer. So we were back on to uh, Amy yesterday to give her the good news because that will be some fabulous memory, the five of them off to Euro Disney when Sean is that little bit stronger. Uh, so that was the backstory to it. A lot of different texts on it, which I, I will get to uh, following my chat with Amy yesterday. But I did run out of time yesterday regarding phone calls. So Sinead, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are and you, you? Thank you. You started your text by saying that your heart goes out to the poor family. Um, but then you tell us a lot about your husband. Talk, about, talk to us about that. Yeah, um, I lost my husband four years ago with cancer. Um, I have two children with him and uh, he was supposed to get two years as well and he was gone in three months. So sorry to hear that. He must have been quite young, was he? Well, he was 59. We had a kind of an age gap between us. Oh, right. Um, so you were widowed at 44. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was it was terrible. It was just, it just happened so fast and... I before before he got sick, my daughter had cancer as well, and she was eighteen. God. So she had five years before she got the all clear, and then when she got the all clear, my husband got diagnosed a couple of days later. So it's been hard. <laughs> um, my God Almighty! And did he go through you know the chemo and uh, all sorts of radiation and treatment like that? Well, he. Um, he got diagnosed in May and he got the chemo in August and when he got the chemo in August he his insides started collapsing so he was paralyzed after the first two sessions and he just it just basically it just killed him. Yeah. It didn't do anything for him. And were so, you caring for him then? Was that the case, Sinead? I, I was. I had nobody. I, I was he was in the bedroom down or in the sitting room downstairs in a bed, a single bed. Um, I had him up to the time he he got sick, up to November when he died, but there was nobody there with me. I He had no nurses or anybody. So but did you, oh, so I, you didn't get any kind of palliative help or you didn't get home, you didn't get any, any home help or any carers no, calling once or twice nobody, a day? Nobody. Did you apply, did you apply for all of that? I did. I was ringing hospitals crying. I was, because he had no medication as in uh, morphine or nothing, no injections, no, nothing. So he was screaming constantly. Um, so I was ringing hospitals, asking them what they do. Is there anyone who can help me? I don't know what I'm doing. And he passed and then they all came to the house knocking at the door the day of the funeral and the after the funeral. Everything was too late. So yeah, so I was his twenty-four hour care. Yeah. How long did that? How long were you with twenty-four hour care at home? Three months. 
Okay, and where was he before that? What hospital? He was going to the Mercy. Yeah, but he was he, he but he came out of the Mercy to go home, did he? No, he was he was brought in say for three days. Yeah. Then they came back. Then they sent him home. Then he went back in again, and in, he was in and out, in and out. Um, for in between the three months. Um, so towards the end, he he well towards the end, he basically I had to change him, nappy him, and spoon feed him, all that. Um, then he was then I went into him one morning, and his two eyes were red, raw, like like Dracula so I panicked and I rang the ambulance again they took him to um, the Mercy and when I went into the Mercy then after there was a couple of days like um, he was gone so I thought he was after dying and they never told me so I went in and I said where's my husband his bed is empty and she said oh your husband's gone to Marymount so I didn't even know that he was after being moved from the Mercy to Marymount so I didn't know where Marymount was, but my friend was with me, so she brought me out there. Out to Curraheen, not too far from where I am, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I was never I was never out there. No, so I had nor no had idea. you need to. But, what, you, but you weren't told either about the move. But anyway, no. go ahead, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so uh, he was in Marymount on the Monday. He was shifted on the Monday, and on the Thursday then he passed, and we were there with him on the Thursday when he passed. Um yeah, so yeah, it was it was a nightmare, absolutely nightmare. And on the day, what happened on the day of the funeral? The day of the funeral, um, we were we were back in Flannery's pub where that was our local, and uh, we were at the funeral, and the phone was ringing. Hi, Sinead, uh, you've good news for Chris. Tell him that his stuff is on the way. Would have been like a wheelchair and a toilet and. A bed and all this, and I said, "I'm sorry, no, I said, but I just buried him well ago." And Maddie, we're at the funeral. Oh God! So that that went. Then the following morning, then the door was banging with nurses. Uh, we're here to see Chris. I go, sorry, he's dead. So, oh God, yeah. So it was. Why did, why did everything? It sounds as if things went into panic mode for some reason. Was it that the they, nobody knew that he had died uh, or, or was it just really bad timing that everything started to come together too late or, or what? I, I, I don't know right? because like, I, all, I, all, I, all I was doing was just running around in circles and ringing and they were saying ring this hospital, ring this person and I kept ringing and ringing and eventually I was getting over so I just, I just stopped it all together but I like I just needed somebody to come out and give him um, a drip or a morphine or something because he was screaming the whole three months with agony. And he went from, like, his weight, he was, like, 17, 18 stone. He was a fine man. He went down to basically nothing. There was nothing left of him, bone. But it's it's hard to believe that you were home-caring and it was known that you were home-caring your husband, who had cancer... Mm -hmm who was in chronic pain, and you're ringing and asking for help, medical aids and also medical intervention and pain management, um, and yeah. no one was listening. Um, no. And, and no, you, you couldn't get a home care package. Did you have a public health nurse calling? There was no one called to me, Neil. Nobody. I don't even know today where the nurses but, are. But, but without naming anybody, what about his GP? 
was the GP trying to liaise with a, you know, a public health nurse or a district nurse or anybody like that to to get things rolling? No, no, no. It was it was just as I, and it was just a nightmare. And even before, like when my daughter was sick at home, I had to look, care for her. I had nurses calling in. I had I had people ringing, but for some reason I don't know what was what was the reason. But for three months. I was on my own. I had to ask my husband's best friend to come down and mind him while I ran in and done the messages. I asked my children to mind him. You know, it was it was all too late. It was and too did late he tell you that he was in awful pain? He was screaming, Neil. His, na- his nails are on my wall from scraping the wall. And it was, I didn't know what to do. I was panicking as well because it was 24-hour care. You know, um, and when he did go into the hospital, he was relaxed then because he had all this, what, drips and everything. But yeah. then they sent him back again and and just, it just, you see, the way I look at it, it was, he was supposed to have two years. Now, before, the month before he, he went and got chemo, we were on holidays in Spain, we were down in Waterford, we were running around trying to get as much time together as we possibly could. I know, make memories, yeah. And he was fine. He wasn't in any pain. He was no. He was very thin. He was losing weight every week. I had to buy clothes because he was going down and down and down. And we we tried to get as much time as, together as we could. And but the minute he took the minute the chemo started, then that that was he, that was it. He he was just paralyzed straight away. Now he did have Crohn's disease. And after he passed away, did you get an apology letter of some sort? I did. I did. Yeah. From I from. I'm not from interested in anybody's individual name, but from the from a hospital, was it? Yeah. Say sorry, we couldn't save the husband. Yeah. Somebody somebody wrote that to you. Yes. Sorry, we couldn't save your husband. Yeah. I was just. I. Just, I actually, I actually tore up the letter. I was so I didn't expect to get that letter, like, and I just saw it, and I just couldn't believe it, like, and I just ripped it up. Yeah, I, I'm interested to hear that because I don't know that that would be normally something that would be done. A letter like that. I mean, I received some posts the other day, and, and it's sad, and it came from the CUH. It was from the mortuary department, but it was cause of death, um, and it was all filled out and. Very well done and showed everything and explained everything that you need to do to go and get a an actual death cert. Uh, but that's it. It's, it's an automatic one that comes out. Um, you, you know, I also had experience with my father as well, trying to put together some kind of a home care package for him because I wouldn't be there all of the time. I have a sister in, in Dublin and another in Australia, so it would have been great to have a home care package. But I found it, I don't know, maybe like you, I find I found that with the best will in the world, all these different individual departments and areas of the health service, they all want to help, but they're not always talking to each other very um, um, successfully or very efficiently. So you got, you know, you've got the hospitals involved, you've got your doctor involved, you've got the public health nurse involved, you've got a district health nurse involved. <sighs> And you can't get home care packages while the person is still in hospital. You can only apply when they actually go home. You you, you know all of this. Um, and the day my before my father died uh, in uh, the COH, I got a phone call um, saying that uh, he had been accepted for a home care package with Home Instead. 
and it was too late at that stage and I had to say to them thank you very much I really appreciate the call but there's not much long left and I don't expect him to be able um, to um, you know pull through the next yeah. 24 hours and he didn't so it was it was too late it was too late at that stage yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I felt the same it was too late um well, I remember one nurse said to me, she goes, you know, there's a waiting list and I on the phone. And I said, I said, yeah, but I said, if we come out and just give him painkillers or, or drips, or I, I'm looking after him, I said. So all I need is just help to stop him from screaming and pain and, you know. You were just looking and, for pain management. You were doing the heavy lifting. Yeah. Of the well, there is a list. There is a waiting list. And there, there's a, a, a mm. chronic shortage of staff in the public system. And that's why a lot of the home care packages now are, um, I was going to use the term farmed out, but you know what I mean? They're, they're given over to private companies who do it instead of just the public health service, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because they I just can't that. get staff. Yeah, yeah. But you were looking for pain management. I, um, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's when I heard that poor girl yesterday, her story, um, it just brought everything back to me. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I was, I couldn't barely cope on my own with two adult children. So I don't I, I don't know how this poor girl is going to do it with three kids. I know. You have a tough enough cross to bear yourself, though, Sinead. And they're tough memories yeah. to, to move forward with, I have to say. Oh, oh they are. Your, your whole life changes. My whole life changed, yeah. you know, and it's just my kids, my kids' life changed and we're, we're missing them every single day and it's nearly four years now. I know. You know, I know. I know. and it's just something we all have to go through, I suppose. But well, look after yourself. Got a lovely text from James. He says, I can't come on because I'm at work, but I had the pleasure of knowing Chris. We played rings together in the beer garden over the years <laughs> and he was an absolute gent. But to treat a person That's like right. that in this day and age just sums up the HSE in a nutshell. So... As a kind text from James, a pal of your husband, oh, Chris. Oh, that lovely. He was, that... he was a gentle giant. He was, right. he was. Okay. <laughs> mind, mind yourself, Sinead. Thanks for sharing your story. Okay, Sad thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Text 0868104106. Pick it up after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. And people have been doing so following my chat yesterday with Amy regarding her husband and um, the prognosis of cancer and the three children and hopefully the chemo, the chemo will eventually work uh, for Sean and that he starts to improve but that's a fingers crossed job at this stage um, 5,000 for each TD Neil to put CCTV into their homes plus the private jet they're looking to buy yeah and another wage increase coming this month as well yet this girl can't get help for her family and her husband I think that kind of sums up the government and the treatment of Irish citizens across the country says Desi morning Neil I'm in bits here listening to Amy's heartbreaking story it's shameful to say the least what a cruel country and system we live in where they can get no help. Um, I have no idea how the powers that be close their eyes at night, but they do without a care in the world. I wonder if God will forgive them, because I won't, says Carol, raging. Uh, raging by the fact that um, she uh, they have applied for all sorts of different help. Uh, and, you know, it, it could well be uh, looking for, say, for instance, um, um, it could be uh, disability. It could be... Um, obviously there could be all sorts of health issues regarding being on chemo so you would think that there would be some kind of unable to work whether it was even unemployment benefit or something but none of it in spite of applying for everything like that I'm a worried mum that's trying to the best of my ability after battling cancer in the last five years 
I need and want support for my daughter, but the school has let us down terribly, uh, says Jennifer. So a lot of people have their own crosses to bear. If the government can find money to give to non-nationals, but they can't find money to give to that poor man with cancer, then this government is nothing short of a disgrace to Irish people. I'm on disability and uh, 20 euro means a lot to me. With the state being so horrible, I'll share some of mine to help make his memories. Shame on them. I've made a donation of 20 euro. I'm sorry it's so little, but it's all I could give, says Paddy, who was fair play to you. That's a lot of money in your life, Paddy. And thank you for giving it to the GoFundMe. It's simple out. All frontline staff should be put on the lower tax rate, and that would encourage more people to join. I have no problem with them having to pay minimum tax, and I would have no problem with Gardaí on the streets, etc., says Dave, also paying minimum tax. Uh, well, that's in the case where you say it could be down to lack of staffing, but I think what's happening to the Fullers has nothing to do with lack of staffing. It just really has to do with lack of kindness more than anything else. Can I talk to Sam Byrne, if you don't mind? Thank you, Sam. Good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm very sorry for your troubles. He was only 29 years old. Yeah. He, was, he was only yeah. 29 yeah. Uh, Sean was. Um, mm-hmm. And you're coming up to the month's mind, I believe, soon. Is that right? Yeah, it's on, it's on Sunday. Sunday night. Can you tell us what happened that he died at the age of 29 so young? So, um, basically, where we are living in Grove, there's uh, a gang of youths that are kind of terrorising the area, basically. And they are they are just ruthless in what they're doing to us. We live in an estate where it's like walkthrough from one one part of town to the next and we're a corner house that so we were getting tirated that weekend of um, stones being thrown at the house. There was something thrown at the house this Saturday night um, while my mum and me were here because he was actually away with his family for his dad's 60th birthday weekend. Sean was away, and yeah. Sean was away, yeah. yeah. And me and my mum were here and there was a picture came off the wall that the bounce off whatever they threw at the house was that bad. So he came home the Sunday evening, um, early evening. He was great for him because he'd just been away with the family and the kids and stuff like that. It was great. And it started, like, you could hear them running up and down, like, kind of the side of the house. And the next thing, there was stones thrown at the door. There was a knick-knock a couple of minutes later. And then on the third go, there was, like, another knick-knock thing. But it's not normal. What is that? Is that, like, runaway knock kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, how you would have done as kids, you know, like six and seven years old but these are teenagers like they're not knocking they're banging down the door so Sean was in the kitchen and the next thing he just ran he ran out the door to try and find out who they are because the thing is we don't we don't I have now um, like a video doorbell thing but we didn't have any of that so we didn't know who these kids were like there's different kids hanging around and there's a lot of kids that don't do anything um, and then there's a few kids that do stuff so he ran after them and when he got to the top of the road unfortunately it looks like he suffered a heart attack and he, he died on the side of the road Outside the estate. Oh my God. Yeah. That's tragic. Yeah. So he ran after them because he was just absolutely sick to death of their carry on time after time after time after time. Who wouldn't like you have, you know, the longest fuse in the world, like would just, you'd get fed up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And he wanted to find out who they were or. He just wanted to know who they were. Like he was. Everyone says things about their partners, but he was the softest guy ever. He was so kind and he wouldn't have done anything to them. But I think he just wanted to know who they actually were because it's been happening so much and for so long that, you know, you just want to make sure you've got the right people to go into the guard about. Or to try and say, would you please leave us alone? You're tormenting us. Uh, Would you ever stop doing this? Or I will go to the guard. Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous what's going on. So Um, how did you you know that he collapsed? You were at home. 
I was at home, so I followed. I actually followed out. My mum was in the front room. I followed him out and then stood at the corner of the road, thinking he'd come round the corner and be like, "Fuck's sake, oh sorry, something like that." Okay, he should have been, um, um, you know, come around the corner. Oh, for God's sake, I didn't get them or anything like that. And there was there was no sign of him coming. Yeah, and. Um, uh, a little guy came running up to me saying he's on the ground he's on the ground there's a fella on the ground and I just ran down the road and there was two two I was, two or three young girls um, or a guy and two girls I can't remember now exactly my mind's a bit hazy on it but they had him in the recovery position um, and they were there they saw they were like an eyewitness to what had happened of him collapsing and they they actually minded him very well and the girl came on the scene and had rang the the, the ambulance for us and the the ambulance were giving her instructions. The next thing, the guards came up at the same time, and the guards took over and they worked on him for it. They they tried their best to save him, and they there's just no saving him, unfortunately. So somebody had to tell you he was gone. He was well. They had the ambulance called out. They had the the consultant from the CUH come out. Um, they they tried they tried everything that they could possibly do to save him, and they, um. So grateful to the guards for working on him and grateful to everyone that night that worked on him because they were able to get his family from Ballincollig down to say goodbye um, to him as well, you know. Um, they were amazing. But you must have thought, this isn't this isn't real, this is a nightmare, no. we're going to wake up from this. I, this thought, I genuinely, yeah, I just genuinely thought that, we, that we'd end up in CUH, that he'd end up in, you know, A&E for a couple of days or, you know, an award for a couple of days or whatever. I didn't think this was this was actually happening. Like, it was just... It's shocking, like it's absolutely shocking. So did you get to have I mean, did you get any words with him? I mean or was he on was he No, uh, no I, I, I don't know the time sale. We have the preliminary results of a post mortem which is saying a heart attack, but I don't know did he die there and then. I don't know did he die later on. I don't know. We don't know hundred percent. That these are all the what ifs and the how questions that we don't know have answers to at the minute. So it makes you think about when. what was the last conversation I had with my husband, the man I loved? What did we yeah. talk about? What were we doing? Yeah. What, what, what yeah. stories did we share, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And he's got a little four-year-old there that's without his dad now. One minute he's there in the gone. kitchen, next yeah. minute he's gone. He's gone, yeah. Because you've got yeah. these gurriers wrecking your heads by... I wonder, I don't know if any of them are the ones that people are sending me videos of from Cove. You've got this, yeah, this, this is, posse this and this problem. herd of young teenagers. yeah. yeah. I mean, this town is fantastic and the support that I have given afterwards has been unbelievable. I mean, people are just so kind, but people are angry. People are fed up because what my what me and the family would like to happen next is we just want more guard resources around towns and they're planning more houses around the area. There's no greenery anymore. There's nothing spreading people around from each other. There's no guards in the town to, to look after the town. The guards do amazing work, as we all know, but their hands are tied with a lot of this Yeah, stuff but I mean, it's understand you know? when people talk about wanting guards, but I have to ask the question, what kind of parents and what kind of families are you allowing it to cover? What kind of children are being reared down there? Because there would yeah. be no need for more guards if the children behave themselves and their parents took their role seriously. To be honest yeah. now, come on. Let's face yeah, facts. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. I have a 16 year old myself and I always said like you, you raise your kids, everyone raises their kids to be of some level of standard in society and look, kids happen, mistakes happen, people fall into the wrong gangs, all that kind of stuff. But you know where your kids are. You, you don't know where your kids are at 10, 11 o'clock at night, there's something wrong. 
totally something wrong. Yeah, you can say that they can fall into the, be- the ba- bad company, but you should be doing your damn best to make sure that they don't. And your partner died trying to chase them away or find out who they were because they were destroying your quality of life. And I think yeah. you're, I think you're very calm about that. I have to say. Well, I'm just, it's just state of shock. It's a state of shock still, to be honest with you. And I've just got. I don't know. There's just so much support around me. Like I can't thank people enough, but I've just got this this thing in my head that things need to change. Things need to change because it's. It, I just don't want this happening to another family. I don't want this to continue to happen in this town and any town. This is a nationwide problem. This isn't just you know a cork problem. Um, it's happening everywhere because they're untouchable. Because they're so young. Yeah. Yeah. God Almighty, I don't know would I ever recover from something like that. I'd be just, I'd be sad, yeah. of course, I would. It would be tragic and I'd be heartbroken, but I'd be very angry as well. Are you having yeah. a vigil then? Yeah, we're having a vigil on Sunday. We're doing, um, we're eating for seven o'clock, just where it happened, and a priest is coming up to say a few prayers and things like that. Um, and we just want to highlight that this is this is still happening. Like you know, it's it's not going, it's not a problem that's going to go away overnight. And we need the community to come together, which they are. They're fantastic. They're unbelievable. But do any of the youths or the thugs or the gurriers, do they any of them know that they are indirectly responsible for his death? I don't know. Do they? Yeah. Uh, um, so I wonder do they care? Um. Well, there's a couple of there is a couple of different you know gangs hanging around and stuff, and and the guards have been very um, proactive in getting statements and witness statements and things like that, and. Um, the guys have been very like they've informed me all the way, and apparently a lot. Some of the parents have been down to the guard station with their children. They are aware of what's happened and that they're dealing with it themselves, which is nice to know that there are parents dealing with their children and the consequences of it and things like that. The guards have also been into schools and um, talking to the children about the consequences of actions. Um, the consequences of persecuting a family in their own home, like happened yeah. to you and to Sean and your family. Yeah, yeah, and it's not just my, it's not just myself. There's there's a lot of estates going through this. Do you know? Yeah, but just, your husband died. Yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah, let's yeah. face it. Uh, if other people uh, want to get in touch from the Greater Cove area, I'd be quite happy to talk to them. But for but for now, you have a vigil on Sunday. Are you inviting people yeah. to come along and show their respects? Yeah, they can. Everyone's more than welcome to come. This has affected everyone. Everyone's been affected by this. So it's family and friends and and people that knew him and people that want to pay their respects for this. They're more than welcome. Is that Clunard, is it, in Cove? Yeah, yeah, that is, yeah. It's just the entrance of the estate. There is some um, of our neighbours, our fabulous neighbours have put down uh, like a little, uh, there's been a flag put down from Uh, a massive rugby fan and there's lanterns there and there's flowers there. So, we all that spot's being marked all the time, which is comforting and distressing to see at the same ah, yeah, time. Well, it's, nice that that, it's nice that it's nice that neighbours and friends come together. What time is that on Sunday, Sam? Um, we're meeting. We're aiming to meet for seven, um, and prayers will be said for half seven. Okay. Will you stay in touch if there are any further updates with regards to guard activity or things? Like we, are things yeah, going? Yeah, we that have. Um, we will have his inquest anyway next year and things like that. So that would be more telling oh, of what so the events were that night and things like so that. So sad from, and tragic. From the witnesses yeah. And stuff. yeah. Okay. Well, do stay in touch. Right? If there's anything we I can will. do, do let me know. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, thanks Take so care. much. Thanks. For Sorry if you're in trouble. Take care. Back after ten. Now. Show. Red FM. As promised, a lot of texts in the last few days. Some of them with reference to uh, bodice. And we were chatting uh, about bodice and, and what chefs overseas love. Um, and uh, that was Chef Ryan who's uh, doing his thing, working up a storm in Florida and now appearing on uh, Hell's Kitchen with uh, Jamie Oliver.
starts today actually um, did you know Neil there was a bodice shop in Barrick Street over 60 years ago so a shop that just sold bodice ribs if you like ribs I mean the Chinese do them differently but in in Cork parlance bodice would be boiled in a big pot you might throw some spuds and onions in with it uh, anyway and then so we got a lot on that and, and different types of food that people like to eat uh, I can't believe Neil that you never had a jambon um, Jimmy the Jambon they are so nice I hear Kevin is going to bring you one in and you will love it says Marie um, from a sunny but windy clan so thank you for that yes he, he did purchase he did purchase um, kind of half whinged about it he kind of spoiled it then because he was whinging about the price of it it cost him €9.80 for four of them here we'll have a feckin dig around for your €9.80 will I keep you I happy? saved the receipt I, I actually you're not even joking you. I actually did save the receipt tenner on Jambons for this like I only wanted I, the one, so I why know, did you go by four? Well, we all should have one. We, need to, we all need to have a taste test to the side, like. All you right. know what I mean? Okay. It's, about, okay. it's about the content, Neil. I have it here in my hand. You can hear it. Nine euros eighty. Are they from cold the now people. or are they warm? I, I tell you, uh, they're getting cold, but I'll stick them in the microwave for 20 okay. seconds. I tell you what, I went to go order it, and the woman at the deli said, uh, Oh, you're getting four, you know? <laughs> and I kind of said, Yeah, I said, Look, there's somebody in the office. He uh, he hasn't um, he hasn't had one before. Jeez, I was listening to Red FM yesterday. I said, That's the guy. She said, Oh my God, you have to tell him no. It's a lovely woman. So shout out to Ryan's in. Um, in um, Grange, in the deli there. Lovely people. Oh, is that the super value there? That's the super value there. No, that's, that's an incredible, incredible super value. Super oh value. my God. Brilliant super value. <laughs> now, let's see whether their jam bonds hold up to that the test. That is a great super value. It just is so worth the visit. Well done to them. They've got a, yeah, they've got a great fresh food department actually there. Ready to go meals and all sorts of wonderful deli stuff. All right, we'll do that about 10 minutes to midday, okay? 10 minutes to midday and we'll test it then. We'll have it for lunch. Um, a lot on drugs then. With regards to the big drug haul, and I was saying that in spite of, you know, the MV Matthew and all on it, it's just a dip in the ocean, really, with the amount of drugs that actually get through. Because there is demand, and there always will be demand. So following that conversation yesterday, particularly with Liam Bonner, somebody says, your man hasn't a clue what he's talking about when he talks about heroin. Uh, I lived with three brothers who were all addicted to heroin. Thankfully now, they're doing good. I don't think for a moment that uh, Liam Bonner was suggesting that heroin should be legalised uh, but some of the other ones certainly need to be up for discussion perhaps your your cocaine uh, your cannabis maybe even some of your amphetamines I don't believe this on a day when we should be cheering our Gardaí Navy and Army for their fantastic work we have a langer on the air wanting drugs legalised what the heck well it's about having the conversation lads no more than that some way to start Neil would be to uh, why don't schools bring in private drug detection dogs into our schools that would be a huge deterrent from bringing drugs into school like they're doing in the UK yeah I mean you know you, you could have private drug detection dogs but why would you just limit it to schools why not bring it into the workplace why not bring them into pubs and restaurants and nightclubs and where people socialise then you put the fear of God up everybody wouldn't you um, let them put the injection centre in the doll the proposed injection centre well the plan is to have one in Dublin and also one in Cork does this man who is promoting legalising drugs for personal use know that it's the end user that drives the multi-billion drug trade yeah I think we all know that John but um, the question is as to whether it should be managed and legislated for and tax paid on it and the country making some revenue out of it 
as opposed to just the drug producers, the dealers and the growers. Neil, I'm just back from New York and they have legalised cannabis. Have a look there before it's done here. It's awful now walking down the parks where kids are stinking of cannabis and it's their parents smoking it, not the kids. You'd get a high walking through New York these days. Yeah, I'm, I'm so thick. I wouldn't even know if I was smelling cannabis. I was in Central Park there a few weeks ago for a walk, but it was on Labor Day. It was mad busy there. It was absolutely mad. Normally it wouldn't be on a Monday, but on that Monday it was. But I didn't get any smell uh, of cannabis, I have to say. Liam Bonner, uh, why is he on the air? Has he ever been at a 14-year-old's funeral who bought a tablet, one tablet in town, and subsequently died that night? Um, your caller, I'm very sorry to hear that. Your caller mentioned California as a model. Hello, that's a fent- they have a fentanyl epidemic there with a huge number of deaths. What has he got to say about fentanyl, I wonder? So thank you for all those. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. I'll get more on the air in the next 15 or 20 minutes. But back to the phone lines. Louise, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How you are want, you? Thank you for calling. I'm good. You wanted to get in touch to, to, to say that you are supporting everything that Sam Byrne had to say uh, about the loss of her wonderful husband, Sean, right? Uh, you a neighbour? Yeah, I'd be four doors up. Okay. We were we would have been out in the street on that Sunday evening. It was horrific. Right. Can you can you tell us about how bad it was and probably has it stopped now since the death of Sean? It's been, it's been quiet, um, understandably, at the moment. But within three weeks of Sean dying, you've seen videos of the same group of kids down around the town. So so while it's, it's are, quiet it, in the area at the moment. They're, they're still around and causing trouble. Okay, because I get videos and I got one recently of maybe 20 of them and they look quite young boys and girls and yeah, uh, so believe it or not they're kicking the head of some young flat on the ground. I've seen it. Okay, all right. I've seen it. I saw it on Saturday and horrified. But we don't um, know that it's the same group. It could be a different no, group. No, we don't. But the problem now going on in Cove, you have the house. From from my reading of, those, of, of social housing, you have 10% of your housing stock in a town would be for social housing, yeah. understandably. People need homes and people, that, that's a fundamental human right. Yeah, Family needs a home. Yeah. But in Cove, and I am completely over to, open to correction, I think that percentage has gone up to 40%. So you, if you drive up the back of Cove now to where Clunard is, where all the other estates are up the back of Cove, the sheer level of housing gone up in the town is is mind-blowing. So 40 per, up no to 40% cases. of it could be social housing and the other 60% could be bought privately. But why, why should that matter if everybody behaves themselves and respects where they are? But when you have when you have a lot of houses crammed into one area with no green spaces for kids to play, no amenities, we do... I know you mentioned earlier that you don't know what sort of kids were raising in Cove, but it comes... It, Guards do need to play a part. When you have a guard station in Cove for the population of our town and they're telling residents they can't spare a car to drive up around the town just to check up in case they move kids, yeah. it's, it's, it's part and parcel. There's not one there's not one sector at fault, but we do need a funded guard station downtown. To but a massive, you've got a massive guard station in Cove. We have a massive guard station in Cove, but how many, how many guards in there? I don't know. You again, t- again, when you come, again when you come, when you ring the guard and you're told that guards they can't send a guard up. You they see what? How big is the? How big is their patch? I don't. I don't know. You see. You see, it could be Cove. It could be, Cove, it could be Middleton, couldn't it? It might even be yeah. Cloyne. 
And from what I gather, it's Middleton. So they've a big area. Yeah. So what you actually yeah. want is you want on the ground Garda Shikona for Cove, not sharing them. Uh, no, 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 sharing, but properly resourced yeah. and properly manned. So would you ever see? Would you ever see boots and suits and blues on the on the streets of Cove? During the regatta when it's needed, but ordinarily no. Okay. No. Okay. Because that's, mean, if there's trouble, that's if what there's you need. In town, a guard should be a guard of car should be able to drive around and be where that trouble is. There should be at least one guard of car staying in the town to deal with problems in the town. But is I there any visible policing? I, not that I'd see. Not that I'd see. I'd wonder with these kids how many antisocial behaviour warnings would have been issued. As buzz. Is that what they are? Okay. So, there's a lot of sadness, you said in your email, a lot of shock, a lot of 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 anger. um, um, Of a young man at the age of 29, died of a heart attack, cardiac arrest. He'd still be alive today, you correctly say, if he hadn't... If he he hadn't chased trouble from his door. Because it was and coming it to his door. He was persecuted by the trouble with these gurriers. Yeah. 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 Now, it's not nick-knocking anymore. Kids have always knocked on a door and ran. But these are teenagers, as Sam rightfully has said, they're kicking the doors in. I tapped myself one evening. I was in the kitchen. I don't scare it too easily, but I, I got a fright. My, door, my front door nearly came in. So they're not knocking on a door, ringing a doorbell anymore. They're actually properly kicking your door in. Yeah. Yeah. And my door's about 20 years old. My door could could have quite quite easily come in. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think there's I do think there's a lot that I do think there's a lot in play here. I do think town planning needs to look at the volume of houses going into one particular area. Green spaces do need to be but we are, for but we're great for excuses. We have like all excuses and I mean I, I, I don't have to put up what you have to put up with and, and, and yet I yeah. still under, I still listen to you and you sound as if you're almost sympathetic. You're saying not enough guardy, not enough green spaces, too I many houses. Not at one stage I, do you want to call them out for being the gurriers that they are with the parents who, who don't seem to give a damn. And Well, that comes into play as well, Neil. I mean, I have a 15-year-old. I know where he is all the time. He's sick of me ringing his phone. If he doesn't answer his phone, I will keep bringing his phone to see where he is. And if he says he's in such a place, I will drive around to make sure he's telling me where. Yeah, well, where he is. Well, you know how to, you know so how it works. Comes, oh, completely, and it does come down to parents as well. It totally. I mean, that's where it all starts. Completely. All the rest of it yeah. is okay. All the rest of it is, is 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 important, but it's white noise by comparison to parenting, upbringing. Rearing your children to be respectful yeah. um, and to uh, to be kind and not to turn into the gurriers that we're seeing at the moment and the way they're going, particularly, yeah. unfortunately, in, in Cove, which should be a beautiful place to live. And I'm, I'm sure it is and could be better, but yeah. this isn't good enough, you know. You have a man who oh, died. You have a man who died at 29 chasing gurriers from his door. Yeah. No, nah, not good enough. No. Nah. Oh, it's, it's not. And as you said, it does, come from, it does come from home and the way you're brought up, but there are other factors in play as well. All right. Okay. But as you said, it does start. It does start from home. It does. It does. All right. Good luck to you, Louise. Thanks for taking the okay. call. Okay. Take very care. well Bye. said. Appreciate it, Michael. Good morning. Okay. I'll tell you what. Take a break. Actually, it's a good idea. Take a break after these. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Red FM. We pick up the phone on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. We're back to our phone lines for now. Michael. Good morning. Thanks for holding. Uh, are you are you a cove man? I am indeed, yeah. Okay, do you want to pick up on the conversation? Go ahead. 
I'm not living too far from uh, Sam's house there now, or Louise, but um, the, the antisocial behaviour in this estate and a few other states around Cove there is uh, unbelievable. Did you know the I late Sean my... Feeney? I did. did. Beautiful fella, lovely guy. He'd salute you in the morning if you seen him. And uh, two lovely kids and a lovely wife. But uh, now she's uh, without a husband. And our kids are without a dad because of these fucking scumbags. Right, okay. Watch the old language anyway, but I know you're angry about it, yeah. A man in his 20s, late 20s, father of two, late 20s, well-known, well-respected, dearly missed, obviously, by his partner, his son, his stepson, his parents, his brothers, his nephews, wide circle of family and friends. I'm reading from Cork Bio this morning. He died on the 3rd of September, chasing gurriers away from his door. He collapsed with a heart attack and died. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately he did, yeah. And uh, what a way to go, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I've had my handle on my door broken. I've had stones thrown at my house. I've had cans of beans thrown at the house where my kids had to clean up the next day. Um, I caught two of them one night, about three weeks ago, out in the green, throwing stones at the houses. I heard a thud who was actually at the house next door to me. It was about this, the stones were thrown so hard. So I went out. Went around the side, spotted the two of them over there, caught one of them, thumped the head off him. Did you? And I told him to get out. I did. I have no problem doing it. None whatsoever. And I told the other scumbag to get out of the estate or I'll do the same to him. Okay, so, um, so let's have a look at that one. How old were they? They were at least 14, 15, 16. Okay, and when you say thumped the head off him, what do you mean by that? I gave him a good, I gave him a good dig in the head. I was standing right beside them, asked them what they were doing, and the two of them were so dopey that they said, we're just trying to throw stones at the houses there to smash the windows. And I said, hey, I said, I live there. I opened my fist, punched him in the head. He went down, and the other fella ran off like a fucking whippet. The other fella got up, and I said, you come back into this estate again. I said, I know you're not from this estate. And uh, I said, if you come back in here again, I said, I'll uh, do more than what I've done. Okay. How long ago was that? So, that was about three... Uh, well, four, four, well, five weeks ago. Okay, so there's there's very little chance that they said anything to their parents because if they had, you'd have a visit from the Garda Shukana. So oh, it's likely I'd not to no happen. Problem. I'd have no problem. I said it to the guards. I've phoned multiple times to the guards about the antisocial behaviour going up here. I told them what's going on. I told them to come up, but you don't see them. There's, oh no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not criticising. I'm only. I was only trying, saying. You know potentially marking your card but I'd say you're alright in that regard because if the parents pushed it the guards would have to prosecute you for assaulting listen your man is a he's a they shouldn't be doing what they're doing and maybe even some people listening think that you know maybe not a dig in the head but a kick up the arse might be the best thing for him you don't yeah, want well, to you kids, don't want to be punching young fellas in the head like, what? They, they don't understand anything at all. No. they're not even afraid of the guards anymore so they're not even afraid of parents so I'd have no problem with their parents coming up to me prosecuting me not a bother at all because I've had enough of it I've lived in this. I've lived, uh, lived in this island all my life, and uh, we once upon a time you could be able to leave your front door open, your back door open. You knew your neighbours. You don't know who they are now, who's coming into the estate, or who's coming into onto the island. There's uh, too much, too many houses here. There's no infrastructure here. There's so lots of housing was built. Here. Was that just talk to me about that? You had loads of housing built, as in lots and lots of new housing estates. Is it? They're throwing, I, I, I say in another 10, 15 years, you'll be lucky to find a green field in Cove, I'd say. Right. 
Okay. They're pumping them in. There's no road infrastructure. There's no uh, amenities for children. There's no cinema. We have we have a Carl Leisure Centre, which is grand, but you have very few going up there. Like, uh, there's no cinema here. You've got nothing here for children. You've got the the local football club, the Ramblers and Springers and all them. Like, but you have uh, more uh, more um, what would you call it? Anti-social behaviour going on because there's they're just bored here hanging around, and as you could see down there from the the steps of the church there last week, the videos, yeah, so arranged yeah. fight again. Okay, so that so you tell me about that arranged fight. Yeah, I got it. I got it sent to me by one of my kids. I was horrified. I knew a lot of kids that are in it, and um, there are a few of them from the estate in here as well. How does, it, how does it work, though, the arranged fight um, amongst teens? To be honest with you, I don't know. I'd say they just do it in school and then they all congregate. With all the social media now, they congregate down on a quiet place, i.e. down around the steps of the church where there's no... Um, okay, I'm seeing... Public, I'm seeing, I'm seeing yeah. or whatever. They're, they're, they're squaring up to each other like a boxing match. They're only... Look at yeah, them. Yeah, look at yeah. them. They're I only about, they're only about four foot two. They're only about four foot two tall. They're tiny little fellas. And you got yeah, dozens and dozens <laughs> then around them filming it and egging them on. And it's, ba- it's, ba- exactly. it's, bare, mo- it's bare knuckle fighting. It is, yeah, yeah. It's so after, it's just, it's just horrendous. Like, And their parents are getting away with Blue Murder. Bare knuckle. Oh my God. One young fella just got an absolute haymaker right into the face and it banged his head off the metal railing behind him at the side of the church. And there's no adults come along to stop this or anything, no? No. Just 40 or 50 of them there. You'd very rarely see, uh, to be honest with you, where they'd done it was uh, there'd be no reason for adults to go down there. I'd say tourists would go down there just to take pictures of the the arches down down that area. So the tourists go down around, uh, is that the cathedral? Yeah, the, the steps there, okay. just when you, you can look over the railings there. Just so the, yeah, so the tourists then, they go to, the, to um, St. Coleman's Cathedral to visit it. Uh, this is what they'll see. They walk up around that direction. Yeah. They might think, oh, well, yeah, here, are some, here are some cork. Here are some cork youths engaging in their leisure activity. I don't think so. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, great name for the town, isn't it? So then I see the videos then where there's like 20 or 30 of them chasing after one young fella. They catch him like a herd of them descending on on their prey. They get to him at the end of the street. They get him on the ground and then they start ferociously, all of them, kicking him in the head. Yeah, yeah. They just lose control then. They get get caught up in this and they lose control and then they... Then there's a lot of repercussions if that young player is got wouldn't brain you be ashamed? Totally, yeah, absolutely, brain. But wouldn't you be ashamed to call them your son or your daughter? Wouldn't you be oh, ashamed uh, of them? Horrified. You just don't know what's wearing them, like. And wouldn't isn't it sad to be have to be living amongst them as you're getting on with your lives as quietly and be, well behaved as you can? Yeah, and the dog on the side of the road would wear its pups better. Because <sighs> That's, that's how it is now in, in Cove at the moment. Very little Garda resource. No community guards. We used to have a community guard here a long time ago. But, uh, and are they, are they allocating properties to the wrong people or what? 
Do you know what? I don't. I, I don't know. I yeah. don't know to be honest. Yeah. Do you know what? It's it's just mind boggling. Like, and there's there's just nothing here for them to do. There's no one here policing it. The parents aren't policing it. They're just letting them out after school, running riot, and just do you know what? And there's unfortunately there's people like the young man down the road for me there. Like, is um, the consequences of it. Sean Feeney on a Sunday evening at home. Eventually, at he home. just he's he in one way he snapped. He just couldn't take it anymore. You know what? I, I wouldn't blame him, and I and I, he went after them. And I think yeah, I'd have no problem going after him. And do you know what? Unfortunately, he he just didn't. Uh, didn't come out good for him like no it did not at the age of 29 while following them he he collapsed on the road and died of a heart attack and they're responsible for it they're responsible for it absolutely they are responsible for it they are and no no, no two ways about it it's just manslaughter like and it's um, there's no there's no one being prosecuted about it well it may not be anything like that but they are eventually eventually it'll just be brushed under the carpet and it'll be forgotten about and it'll be yesterday's news you know okay okay all right Michael, thanks so much. Appreciate it. A lot of text coming in on this. All right. I want to get the text on air as well. So text 0868104106. Back after the break, we'll catch up with text and comments. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Just Seamus was just telling me there because he knows that East Cork Parish um, um, very well, like the back of his hand. He said, you know, there would have been a time when the Cove Garda Station would have been in the middle of town. They built a new one. They did actually state-of-the-art massive, but they built it outside of where the action and the activity of the town would be. It's down near the Keys. It's down further past where the uh, the big luxury superliners dock, and that probably wasn't a good idea. Maybe they should have put a multi-story car park there and built a new guard station in the town, you know, right in the middle of the community. Um, the headquarters now has moved from Cove to Middleton, but having said that, you could be looking at Cove Gardie covering Certainly Middleton, they'd be on call there. Certainly Glanmire, they'd be covering as far north away from them as Carrig Navarre, apparently. Carrig Navarre, and also areas like Carrig Tool. So they'd have a huge, big area to cover. But again, it's more to do with parents, really. Like if, you, if you're tolerating antisocial behaviour by your son or your daughter, um, right, that's, that's, that's a form of child abuse. If you're not nipping it in the bud or trying to keep your child in track and trying to get them on the right road and keep them there. Um, you you know that that is wrong. That is a form, as I say, of child abuse. You're doing your children no favors because you're setting them up for a massive fall in life. It's almost impossible, as it is, I suppose, to some extent, to to get everything right twenty four seven. I know that. I mean, you see that with the tragedy, the awful tragedy of the young girl who um, uh, became a chroming victim by inhaling toxic chemicals, collapsing and dying. Brain damage is what would have killed that 14-year-old teenager um, out of um, um, t- the TikTok challenge, the aerosol challenge. But so, and, and, that's not, and that's just happening in a child's bedroom. So I understand that it can be very difficult to know where your children are 24-7. I understand that. But if you're sitting back never trying to do better for them, never ever making an effort... Well, that is wrong. But, I mean, even, even, even the tragedy of the aerosol challenge would, would give you the heebie-jeebies as a parent because it's just a different world now than it was, uh, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years ago. It's just so... I get it. It's, it's just so much harder. Uh, but I guess you've got to be making the effort. I'm texting regarding the effort, the incident in Cove. We have had the summer of hell with groups down here. They've attacked our house on a regular basis. We can't walk in the areas. They scream abuse at me and my wife once we walk past them. They throw rocks 
and they throw vapes at us. They try to draw me out of my house so they can attack me. Our kids don't feel safe with them. We can't go out in the front garden because of the level of violence and abuse. And it is that group fighting in the videos time after time after time. I can't go on the radio due to work. We have called the guards constantly uh, and we have never seen one of them. Lots of texts. Do keep them coming. Back to the phone lines. Uh, Trina, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Thank you. I'm well. Uh, what's on your mind? What can you contribute? Are you from Cove? Are you living in Cove? Are you in the- no, it's a different community. I'm the secretary of the Fairhill Community Association. My point is just the about... The Fairhill Community Association. Yeah. Oh, good for yeah. you. Good for you. Go ahead. So my point is just about a gap in services, Neil, for all communities now, not just ours. And I, I completely agree. It's primary. It's, it's a parent's responsibility to know where your child is at all times. But it isn't happening. And it's up to to communities and city hall, everybody to address it. Like we in our community, we have the only youth services we have for children under the age of we say eleven or twelve. It's all voluntary based, and we're not equipped to deal with some of the youth issues that are coming up. And we don't have the space to do it either because we actually we don't have a centre. We're working from a community house. So we did request a youth worker part time in our community to work with the younger kids and we were told that that falls under the remit of Tusla because they're under a certain age. So when I went and checked it out, Tusla don't actually provide funding for this and they don't have anything to do with providing like youth groups is what we wanted for the younger kids. You know? So why, why don't people in the community like it used to be all volunteer? Is it that you'd need garden vetting and stuff or what? Yeah, yeah. So we do. Now we do. And is, is, in the, well, no, I don't mean that. I'm quite sure everybody would pass a garden vetting. But that there are yeah. too many rules and regulations now for people to want to bother. No, I mean, I, we love doing it. We do do it. But we aren't trained for certain things that will come up. I mean, you're dealing with, like, we love our youth groups and, you know, you're, you have children coming in and, you know, you're modelling better behaviour for them, which is what a lot of these children need. And they're in an environment where they can learn and thrive. You know, like we started book clubs and things like that. And it's fabulous. But for certain things you do need a youth worker who is more qualified and better equipped and who has access to more funding and more services than we would as volunteers because they would be linked in with all the different services like if you have a youth worker coming into a community they're linked in with the ETB they're linked in probably with TUSLA they're linked in with Cork City Partnership there there's all this interagency but you can't get them is it just there just the funding isn't there if they're under, we were told that it's up to Tusla to look after under a certain age, which is twelve. Uh, but Tusla don't have anything to do okay. with providing what we uh, were looking for. So that's for a dead our end. Community. Yeah, yeah. So what it's are the issues end. that your volunteers aren't equipped to deal with? Like what kind of issues? It's the same as every other community. It's just it's it's a tougher world that everybody is living in, and if. You know, when you can start sending your kids to youth groups at 11 or 12, sometimes that's too late. I mean, we see kids, it's not just our community, they're burning out wheelie bins when they're five and six. We, we've all been going for a walk in the dark or in the car in the dark and we see kids out in the street on their own. And we've all thought, oh my God, they're so young to be out on their own. Their parents do not know where they are. That's going on everywhere. So the kids should be taken off them if they can't rear them. Well, where are you going to put the kids? Sure, like it's, it's child abuse to the child who could live for 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. And this I is agree. how you're setting them up? Forget about I it. I agree. I saw a child last week that had to go to the bathroom on the street and he pulled down his... He was only about four and he pulled down his pants to go to the bathroom and I said, what are you doing? And he says, I have to go to the toilet because I was chatting with the child while he was doing this and um, I says, why don't you go in and go to the bathroom and you can come back again? 
and it was a novel thought to the child. No, he was grand. He went in, he went to the bathroom and he came back again. But it was clear that nobody had ever said that to him, that this was acceptable behaviour. I don't know. So, I don't know. this is what's happening. And I don't... I don't parent like that. Most people don't, but it does go on, and it's up to the agencies that are out there to come together. I know, I know that, but listen, I've heard, I know that, Trina, and you are right. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I've heard that excuse for years and years and years. It's everybody yeah, else's it's, fault. There's nothing for them to do. They don't no, have any facilities. No, and that's not an excuse for anything. It's up to me to parent my children. It's up to you to parent yours. Yes. We need to raise them to be kind, to be aware of everybody, not to pee on the street, not to be antisocial. I absolutely agree. But this is going on and it needs to be addressed and it's not going to change overnight. And because these services haven't been funded for years and years and years, you have to wonder, is that why things are getting worse? Well, it's, it's, it's a myriad of different reasons. It has to do, a lot of it has to do with social media, your TikToks, your Snapchats. Yeah. A lot of it yeah. has to do with having mobile phones and access to yeah. all of this stuff online, sharing videos, trying to be the big hero. Um, it has to do but with that maybe... back to parenting. Then again, Neil, are yeah. you watching, watch your child, like my child is limited to five minutes a day on TikTok. Snapchat is banged on his phone. He has a limit of one hour a day on his phone. It locks at seven o'clock. You know, like that's, again, there is a way to, to watch what your child is doing on the phone. And look, that's not possible. And when they're older, you don't want to do that either. You want to give them a bit of freedom. You know, it's, it's hard to know what to do that's right. But we are dealing with lazy parenting or yeah, people that yeah, just yeah. have kids and well, don't parent them. And we yeah. need to be able, there is a gap in services. And if it is going on, we need to address it. And if the parents won't address it, and we want children to be raised better and model better behaviour then we need somebody else to do it if the parents won't Okay, let me get some more calls on it Thank you Trina um, Again, let me just remind you that uh, we were talking earlier on this morning uh, with um, the wife of Sean Feeney um, who was just absolutely plagued by Gurriers constantly calling to his cove house and banging on the door and throwing rocks and stones at the window He ran out of the kitchen and ran after them and ran up the hill, got a heart attack at the age of 29 he dropped dead. Back to the phone lines we go. Tony, good morning. Hello, Neil. Neil, I'm I'm you involved. Cove, man? With, uh, I am not from Cove, but I'm I'm regularly down in Cove. Okay. You know. Okay. But I'm involved with uh, Save Coves right away, and we're down defending the five foot way. Okay. Okay. And and no, normally the Gardaí don't interfere with us at all, but. They haven't really, and but when the uh, the Disney cruise ship was in, the Gardaí had cones all over the place. The Gardaí were in on the key, including including a, a police, an inspector. Now there must have been at least about fifteen twenty guards around Gardaí around, and when the Disney cruise ship came into Cove. So yes, they, can, they, can, they can be found, is that the point you're making? They can be found, right. and including the armed response and, and an inspector. Can I, can I ask you, why, why, were all of this, why was all of this needed for a cruise ship coming into Cove? Armed rapid response, well, 20 guards, an inspector and all that. Look, I'm, we're down five years we're at this, and the, the Gardaí are never on that key. They might go on board now to check passports or something like that. But they've never interfered with us. 
you know. But why are you? Pro- but, no, my uh, point is, why are you protesting? What, what's going on? It, we're defending a right away which the Port of Cork are intended have, have been trying to close. Now, five years ago, the Disney cruise ship came in. Disney closed the gates, and all the, all the children and the parents came down with their kids to come down and see the ship. And they locked the gates and they kept people out. And since then, we there's a public right away from okay. the five foot wave from okay. uh, any more over to White Point. Okay, I understand. Now, I understand that. Okay. Now, what, what so I'm you don't have an issue with the Disney cruise ship? It wasn't anything to do with Disney. It, nothing. Yeah, okay. Why? 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 Why would there be okay. no, fifteen, no. twenty guardy? Why would it be twenty guardy? And this, you you have people there looking for the guardy to defend them. It's a joke, yeah, you know. They, half they, half, yeah. half the, the West Cork, the East Cork division probably. You know, were were there for that protest? Yeah. Well, I understand yeah. what you're saying. No, just for that shit. And we we, we see that, that as well with protests. Say, for instance, on the Grand Parade, that there would be a guard of presence. Yeah. Go ahead. You know. You know. That's the, just for that ship. Yeah. No, it never happens. There's a hundred cruise ships a year come in there, and we're down there, and we have a great relationship with security and everybody. And there has never been a problem. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. Thank why you. Why is it for... Why I, I do have an issue with, with, with Disney. Why are they getting special privileges? How are they getting special privileges? Why? It's just a one, one cruise company are getting these special privileges. Okay, I, I, I'm not going to go off onto a different storyline or a different tangent here, but I will ask, what are the special privileges that Disney get? A locked gate, is it? They locked the gate five years ago and they wouldn't leave the children in. You know, families came down. You, you know, a few of mum and dad no bring no. We want to see the. We want to see oh, to get up, to get up close end. to the ship. You wouldn't be able to get on it, like, but you wanted to, people wanted no, to get uh, cl- close. Uh, get on the key, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, well, you know, this is it. They have special, like they did leave the gate open. This the gates are open when the ships come in now, because we're there, and that's the only reason because right. we're there. Okay, I have a much better picture you know? now. Okay, we covered a lot of ground, yeah. including the amount of guardy that would attend when there's a protest there. Thank you for that, Tony. Appreciate it. We did get in touch with Guard of Press actually, and um, we asked them about this uh, carry on down in Cove. Uh, reports of up to 20 teens aged 13 and 14 attacking another youth of a similar age um, down around the uh, Middleton Street and Pier Square areas like that. Um, we couldn't actually tie in a date, but we thought it maybe uh, might have been in and around the, the 22nd of, of September. Anyway, the upshot to it is Garda Press came back and said that they've searched their systems and can currently find no records matching the incident you describe, which would mean that no Gardaí were told about it, no guardie attended, no guardie would have gone along to try and break it up. Uh, I suppose it happens all so often that people just take it for granted. Um, these videos are from last weekend, so those children are not in any way remorseful or being dealt with by their parents. Uh, they've caused havoc in Cove, they put rubbish through the letterboxes of people, they damaged property, they were brazen enough to come back to the site where Sean lost his life the following day. They think they're untouchable. 
And it's they themselves say that we're untouchable, can't come on air. Uh, but do please don't share my details as my kids are in the same year in school. I would never ever do that. Uh, you know, I mean, if we were all to be honest, you'd love to know. You, you know, we, we we there are things that we would love to do to these people. I mean, uh, I thought you know even even talking this morning uh, with with family members from Cove, you know, I don't I don't understand why you're not even more angry or just people in general. Do you ever have your house? Have you ever had your house egged? Um, I've come across houses that have been. It's great fun, isn't it, when you have teenagers throwing eggs at people's uh, front of people's houses, whether it's onto the the concrete uh, or the brickwork or the windows or the window sills. Um, it does awful damage to a house. It really does. It's and it's just an. Imagine if you're elderly and somebody did that to the front of your house, uh, and you weren't great with regards to moving about and being able to stretch or, or wash it down. It's the hardest thing in the world to clean. When you get when the front of your house gets egged, it takes so so long. It gets into everything, um, and of course they don't see that. They just see the great fun of egging somebody's house. Uh, I only got I was only thinking about that because talking about people uh, throwing rocks and stones at windows and what have you. Anyway, text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Back after these. <laughs> Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Then you can text 0868-104-106. Different stories um, all on the go at the one time. The very sad and tragic story of of, of Amy um, Fuller and, and her partner Sean uh, trying to make memories. And I'm happy to see that the GoFundMe continues to grow. Then, of course, we have the sad death of, of Sean Feeney who dropped down dead of a heart attack in Cove running after Gurrier's and what have you, and a lot of text with regards to that and the carry-on there. And then Sinead and her partner, sorry, Sam uh, and her partner. Um, Sinead was talking about um, the issue around trying to get help or trying to get people to actually come and help their partner who was, um, you know, dying and very, very ill and in terrible, terrible pain. Quite an amount of text on that. Let me get back to the phone lines on it. Kathleen, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, is Amy, Sorry for it's, your recent loss. Oh, you're, your very, you're very kind, thank you. You're very kind, yes. you're very kind. So I know we were talking with um, with Sinead about um, the awful pain that her husband Chris went through in his final years with no help at all. And then, of course, we were talking with Amy Amy Fuller yesterday about her husband Sean, who is um, it's not looking good. Grateful. By want of a miracle, hopefully something will, will improve know, for sure. him. But go ahead anyway yourself, thank you. Yeah, I suppose my story is only small compared to that. Um, my son got diagnosed with a blood cl- uh, clot that travelled from his leg up to his lung in March this year. And he's only 31, so it was scary times. Very lucky to be alive. Well, if you have a clot for the lung and it travels through the veins up to the heart, it could mm. be bang game over. It could have been, exactly, yeah. So he's very lucky to be alive. Right. Okay. And um, can he? Is, does he make a recovery? Can he get around? Is he? Is he? He can. Oh yeah, he's back working and everything. And he was actually at the World Cup at the weekend with with their with his dad. Good for and him. And his brother. Right. So, yeah, yeah. But right. um, no, he's fine. Like he's just under investigation now because of his age. Uh, loads of different tests and everything ongoing, and um, he's on blood thinners. But it was just scary times and he, unfortunately, he went for illness benefit and got denied because he had been out of the country living in Vancouver for two years, working over there. About two, I suppose, two and a half years because he was actually there during COVID. So that, of course, being an Irish person, they say, ah, yeah, 
you may be sick, but yeah. we're not interested. Oh, that's that's charming, exactly. isn't it? That's just charming. Isn't it? Yeah. So if he just ended up going back to work, unfortunately, sure he had to like no income. The but, state just yeah. doesn't care about yeah. people, I think. Yeah, um, but he he. He, he doesn't. He doesn't have to pay tax or work in Ireland to be covered by our health system. You know, there shouldn't be these barriers. You know, like it, it should be there when you need it. I mean, uh, unless unless you want to exactly. leave the country, unless he wants to leave the country and come back in under the pretense of fleeing war somewhere, then you get yeah, all the help. Yeah. Don't you worry about that. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. sure, we can't say anything because we're we'd be all racist if we go mm. down that road. Yeah. You know, you know, you know yourself. Yeah. But yeah. it's very, it's very cruel, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. System here in Ireland. Yeah, he was forced back to work. And has he got the? Forced has he got a clean bill of health now? This is not going to happen again. I hope no. No, he like he's he's waiting to go. He's going to a a blood specialist. This is the next um, appointment now, but that's not till the end of November, I think. So um, no, like he's still he's on blood thinners, and he'd probably be on blood thinners for his life. Unfortunately, no, he's only thirty one, but. We don't really know now until all the investigation is done. Oh, I know. Because I know. of his age. And, well, uh, he's a lucky boy that... Um, isn't th- okay, he? in one way, he's lucky that it happened and it got caught because yes, now he'll exactly. be able to get the treatment and he'll be monitored. Because if none yeah. of that had happened, he dropped dead someday and you'd be looking wondering, my God, how did that happen? What oh, was wrong with him? Oh, my God. Exactly, yeah. At least but you know now. Just, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Right, but okay. it's just the system is very wrong here, isn't it? Well... I'm telling, giving you more examples I, than yours I, over the past I couple of days. When I was listening to Amy yesterday, I said, oh my God, I said, I'm, I'm texting Neil and I'm saying, you're, it's a, mine's only a small, ours is only a small story, no, really. No, I wouldn't but say it's that. Just, I wouldn't get say it that. out there, like, yeah. you know. Thanks for it's sharing. Look so after unfair. yourself. Thanks, Thanks, Kathleen. Thanks, Neil. Bye. Appreciate bye-bye. it. A lot of texts. Text 0868 We'll pick up on texts and calls and emails after 11. On the cash machine in court. Now. Prenderville Show, Red FM. I will come back to lots of calls this side of midday, particularly with uh, uh, who's rearing our youths that they're turning into such thugs. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. But to earlier this morning and the big cargo of cocaine that's been seized, uh, why is it under armed protection in Cork, the MV Matthew? Do they think that the cartel will fly in for a shootout or what? It's embarrassing. Can I also say bad weather got them in the end the dopes on the I suppose you're saying that when you say the dopes really didn't know where they were going uh, you're including the fishing trawler and indeed uh, the big MV Matthew the um, the cargo ship uh, well you know a win is a win you know and it's not just that they didn't know where they were going or the weather got them they were also under surveillance for four or five days so um, the different services in the, of the state knew that they were on the way and knew that they'd arrived and it was only a question of time before they pounced. Amazing how they put on a massive show when it comes to drugs but then they give Russia a free hand when they give us the middle finger off the core coast. <clears throat> to be fair, this is just a distraction from the real problems in this country as usual. The drug ship, Neil, is a cargo ship. Stop calling it a container ship. My apologies. Uh, can't come on air, but congratulate the guardie for me, the Navy as well, for this seizure. Drugs are a gateway to hell for people and their families, says Kiron. 
I will come back to a few of the, a few more of those texts between now and midday today. But there was a lot going on, of course, over the last few days. And yesterday, of course, we had uh, Storm Agnes, who apparently um, the storm was named after, I don't have the paperwork in front of me, named after some famous West Cork woman by the name of Agnes. I don't know whether she had a fiery temper on her or what, uh, but um, Agnes showed her claws yesterday. Could have been a hell of a lot worse. How did they get on with regards to our Cork City Fire Service yesterday, trying to keep everything under control? Victor Shine second officer joins me by phone Victor good morning good morning to you again how are you keeping? so you have to be on alert when you hear of storm warnings and um, you know different colour codes that are attached to it how did it go yesterday it went exceptionally well obviously the weather we don't appreciate but the, the coordination and the efforts from all the teams involved obviously there's a build up to these from Metairn giving us uh, pre, pre-warnings of these events and the emergency teams and coordination teams meet and put plans in place. And in fairness, it was uh, well coordinated between the Gardaí, the works crew from City Council, Aircom, uh, ESB, and all the networks. So overall, it went very okay. well. Uh, was that power outages and trees down uh, and fl- things like that? If you can name it, we had it. So power out. <laughs> <laughs> I can well imagine. Picking up trees, picking up cables, you name it. And then you had the uh, some RTCs as a result of um, some localised uh, small complaining issues and so on. Oh, I, I, you broke up a little bit there. I think you were saying road traffic accidents because people hit water, is it? Yeah, so, sometimes you you will have people uh, going in excessive speed under poor conditions. You know? So again, with these warnings, they're there for a purpose and we should be slowing down and taking heed of the, the conditions that we're operating under or driving under. And again, I've seen people coming off these little uh, mopeds and scooters, you know, these ride-on scooters, again, on the, the surfaces that could be wet with leaves and so on. So again, it's be conscious and cognizant of the, the, the situation that you're operating uh, vehicles, whether it be push bikes, motorbikes, scooters, cars, um, again, because it puts the services under True. Under yeah. Yeah. pressure. Yeah. Yeah. There, was a, so, there was a pensioner trapped in their home at some stage. Was that involving a tree on Church Road or something, nearly, nearly creaming the 202 bus? There was, and what we had to do was, again, we were bringing our county colleagues up because of the, the overwhelming... Uh, Pressures put on the, the emergency services on that day. So we'd have um, uh, Cross Aim Fire Service, Cargilline Fire Service, Middleton Cove, and so on, all coming up and um, kind of assisting them with these major incidents or, uh, well, major as it overwhelming the facility or the ability of um, the fire service or the ambulance service to, to operate. It's the number of calls, the overwhelming know, number. Yeah, of there's calls. just lots of them. Thankfully, and no tragedies or anything like that, but just and a lot that's of That's why them. everything worked so amazingly well. Yeah, so. yeah. I know the ferry service, Cove Monkstown, was suspended. Flights were diverted from Cork Airport. It was serious enough wind to do all of that and indeed to take out 2,000 homes without power as well. What is that just wires down and poles down okay. kind of stuff? Cables down, poles down is the thing. Again, uh, trees are uh, vegetation that will be coming in contact with cables and obviously the weight of the water and the wind putting excessive strain on cables and the cables snapping and so on or or poles breaking or trees coming down on top of cables and cutting off power supplies. So again, it's managing and and looking after your property if you are uh, in that type of environment where you you have a tree line that is coming in contact with trees, you should be again of cutting back trees, keeping cables clear, and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I know that you're working on, or at least we're, we're working or reported for some fire this morning on Oliver Plunkett Street. Was, well, was that last night? When, when was it overnight or what? That, that, that was last night. So we had a commercial fire just at the end of Oliver Plunkett Street in Arnold Place. Um, we had four appliances there. There was smoke and flame coming out through the window, so very spectacular at the start, but uh, a prompt and efficient. No one in <laughs> there, though. I mean, you don't to rescue anybody. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. There's no rescuers involved. Okay. So it, it was extinguished very quickly by the team, and um, everything was got back to normal. So obviously, there's a follow-up investigation there this morning, and again dealing with again some structural issues, chimneys, slates, off roof signage, etc. The usual stuff that you come across with. Um, the storms. Yeah, and undoubtedly there'll be more storms with more names and more colour coding to come. Thanks, Victor. Appreciate the update. Good day yesterday Later. then for Cork Fire Services. Uh, Victor Shine, second officer. Storm Agnes yesterday, named after the Irish astronomer and science writer Agnes Mary Clerk. She was born in Skibbereen in 1842, died in London 1907. And she, along with her brother Aubrey, founded the British Astronomical Association. There is actually a lunar crater called the Clerk Crater, named after her. Um, and if you ever knew anything about her, uh, that's good. But if you didn't, there's actually some street art to Mary uh, Clerk. Um, sorry, I give her t- full name, Agnes Mary Clerk on the South Mall. I love those pieces of street art because they're street art, but they're also a bit of history as well because they can tell you all about the individual involved. Now, uh, just back to some text ahead of the ad break. Drugs were legal once. The UK government was the world's biggest drug dealer. They went to war with China over China banning narcotics. That's how Hong Kong ended up as a British colony over for over 100 years. Drugs were banned internationally, Neil, for a reason. Let's learn from the lessons of history. Decriminalise drugs and the events of thuggery seen in Dublin recently will become more regularly and probably the norm if you decriminalise drugs. Yeah, you could probably throw it into the mix. If you decriminalise drugs, the carry-on of the youths and the teenagers and all of the thuggery that we've been talking about, say, not exclusively in Cove, but talking about that this morning, probably would get a hell of a lot worse. Uh, morning, I'd prefer to have the money to put into our healthcare system rather than leave the Kinnahans or whoever comes after them to profit from a trade that will continue to grow whether you say it should be legal or not. Um, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. If it were legalised though, and, and I'm not suggesting for a moment that it should, I'm just having the conversation and I don't think we'd ever include the likes of heroin uh, but there would be a tax take involved in it, wouldn't there? These army and navy guys are great at patting themselves on the back for this drug bust, but do they ever find any drugs with the, if the smugglers didn't run aground or blow up their own engines? Yeah, they would have, because they had them under surveillance for a lengthy period of time anyway. They knew that they were coming, and they knew when they were here. Morning, I worked in a lot of places, and I do not take street drugs, only the drugs prescribed for my bipolar. It's always been true that wherever I went, the people that take Class A drugs and even other types of drugs get a come down. With every high, there's a low. They taunt and mess with people's food and more just because they see someone fresh and happy in their place or their workstation. This has always been sad, sadly, the way it's been. Uh, I don't know why, but when I drink, I handle my hangover and suffer it until it wears off. Whereas a lot of people taking illicit drugs when not high makes them feel they have to play mind games and worse, sadly. My my apologies, I read out that text and I was only seeing it for the first time. Uh, and clearly, uh, whoever sent it, um, um, really and truly is, uh, you know... Um, 
uh, it's not making sense and, and there's probably medical reasons why the text isn't making sense so my apologies for that I shouldn't have read that one out uh, I agree with some of the texts about bullying in the Navy and being treated like dirt by some of the officers a family member of mine left after years and it's the Navy's loss believe me because of bullying um, in Cork County Council because yesterday I was comparing how long it takes to make a decent wage within the Navy in Cork County Council it can take up to 12 years to build up your wages which is shocking because the pay at the start is all Awful. So it's shocking pay from start to finish. In these tough times, that's far too long and nowhere near enough wages to cover a family, even working for Cork County Council. Well, there you have it. Uh, a lot of the public services then, Gardaí, Navy, Army, working for the council, shocking pay. You wouldn't raise a family and you couldn't afford a home. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. I right, go back to the phone calls in a few minutes' time. Just one or two more texts, if you don't mind, because we're really busy text-wise the last few days. You'll get a lot of phone calls all condensing, all, all commenting on this Coke shipment. Uh, my problem with many of these people is that they're all hypocrites. I couldn't afford to buy cocaine, but the solicitors and people in well-paid jobs can well afford it. Cocaine is a rich man's drug of choice. Ordinary working men and women may afford enough if they put their cash together to get a line or two each on one night of the weekend. I can almost guarantee you, Neil, that 90%, if not more, of large notes like 50 euro notes will have traces of cocaine residue on them. Cocaine is the wealthy people's drug of choice. You won't see many of these users living on the streets. When I hear that our government is looking to legalise some so-called softer drugs, it actually makes me angry. Drugs destroy lives, full stop. The worst drug being alcohol. But our government is making so much money out of alcohol that they can't afford now to do without the revenue from it. Um, just because you have more money and are better off than others, incidentally, I take the points you're making, but it doesn't mean that you're exempt from having a life-destroying drug addiction, you know. Um, people of all walks of life become addicted and have their life destroyed by drugs. Um, on TikTok, the TikTok challenge, maybe this would be deemed as being unkind. There's only one person to blame, and that's the person who is stupid enough to do the TikTok challenges. There's enough on social media about the dangers of doing what that girl did. It took her life. Um, and then with regards to Sinead and my conversation with her, the HSE killed my mam and almost killed me. And now I'm after having a hysterectomy after six surgeries to try and fix and COH mistake. I'm now moving back to the UK because I'm afraid for myself and my kids that should we ever fall sick, we'd have to use the Irish health system. Another one. I know of three different families who have had this happen to them. They had to fight tooth and nail for temporary medical cards uh, while they brought in 100,000 people from the peaceful area of Ukraine and gave them every service available in the state to make jobs for the boys in Europe and forget about our own. And of course, this has to do with people who are saying that they had to fight tooth and nail to get some kind of help for a family member who is dying of cancer. So sorry for the loss of your own dad, Neil. Thank you for that. That lady you spoke to highlighting the awful lack of care in our health system. We have a thing called the so-called die at home with dignity. In principle, it's a lovely theory, but in reality, it's a completely different story. For us, it was last week when my 96-year-old mother-in-law passed Disgrace and shame on our country. Our systems are all broken and nobody takes responsibility. You're 100% correct. Uh, no one seems to connect, or not, none of them seem to connect with each other. Uh, I found that actually, that you have a lot of different disciplines, but 
they're not always liaising properly. And final one from now. My mother passed away last week and should have had a pump. She only had a patch and mild liquid morphine. She was on Calpol Baby Plus a week beforehand. It's been a nightmare. Mary Mount rang on the morning she died that they were on their way down with the pump, but she had passed away. I am so angry. Health nurses and carers are great, but as her only daughter, I felt so let down by the system. Thank you for all those texts. I'll come back to more between now and midday. I want to get back to the phone lines, though. Uh, Kieran, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Keeping? I'm good. You you call our country a disgrace. It, it, there there are many different ways that it could be called that, but why is it in your mind a disgrace? They opened down the city. The city council took over two years ago, and since they took over, there was a show of of clowns running running the show. Shower of clowns. All right. Clowns. That's what I call them. They're, they're, they're not working they're, for Duffy Circus or anything like that, no. I tell you, they fit in well there, mate. Because honest, they fit in well there, right? They're, they're privatising all the the cutting the grass and all that, right? They have two fellas at the moment from Donald Lemon Cross by the petrol station there, mate. I, have, I actually do know that area, yeah. yeah. I travel in that road 20 to 30 years at least, and I never see one person walk in the footpath. They have two men out there for the last month sweeping the footpath. Right? There's a truck parked up for eight hours a day. And them two men used to be on roads, filling in potholes and everything. And I'm driving along the road, and you swear you'll be drunk at times where you're avoiding potholes and that. Oh, it's Don't even start me on the state of our roads. It, it, don't even start me. It, it, this has gotten ridiculous. The graveyard above the tower, they have a private contract in there, and there was a fellow uh, doing it there, uh, a fellow, John O'Callaghan, he used to look after it. It was a magnet. And it's gone, it's, it's kept now the graveyard. And there was floods yesterday, there was houses flooding, and there was everything, there was... The engineer couldn't be found. He was on the missing list. Nobody could see him. And Damien Boylan was out inside Primrose Hill and couldn't believe what he was seeing. Yeah, okay. okay. There was another house down below, flooding down below in in in, in, in Claro. Like, I can't understand it. There's potholes. The place is it's destroyed after the storm. But there's potholes. Why are men brushing footpaths where there's nobody walking? Maybe they're brushing them because everywhere you go now, there's leaves and twigs and branches after the wind. You want to see what they're doing here? Like, it's just unbelievable. They were inside this house this day for two months. Inside the house there, I paid 100 quid for my grass to be cut. And these two, the same men, were put into the house this day for two months, weeding the footpaths, taking up all the weeds. How come, why does that happen, that some estates have to club together and pay for everything themselves, and other estates then get it all done for them on the free, weeding and cutting grass? I, I, I... I phoned, I phoned the city council and uh, and I said, I want my estate done next. Yeah, I said, why shouldn't uh, you if others do? Yeah. yeah, I'm paying 100 quid. Your man said there was an agreement there. I said, how is there an agreement? I said, these fellas are weeding the footpaths as well. They're taking up the weeds. I pay 100 quid and I have to weed outside my front door as well. So why, don't, why, doesn't every, why do some get that and others don't? I don't know any. I, I, I haven't a clue, like, but uh, it's, 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 it's a disgrace right. the, way, okay. the, the way it's been ran, like, do you know what I mean? But like, I'm paying 100 quid a year to get my grass cut, and the, uh, the cost of this year, then I'll get the cut free. Come here, before you go, I want to just talk coal with you um, with regards to availability, where it's coming from, the price for a 10 and a 20 kilo bag. Um, have prices come back at all? They'll have to come away back. Yeah. Uh, 
Like, if I had to if you're collecting in, in, in depots, though, they, they could go up from 26 or 27 or something like that to talk to you. Like, it depends on the grade and the cold. There's all different types, like. Right. Well, what what, what weight of a bag would you get for 26 to 30 euro? 40 kgs. 40 kg. And how how, yeah. how crazy did it go back along? It went up to 40 euros. Right, so it's come back to about 26 for 40 kgs. That's a drug, 26, 27, right? Depends. You see, there's all different grade needs. You have, you have the cheaper called that'd be 26, 27, or you'd have the good smoke that's called that could be up to 30 late, you know? Yeah. And then, and then deliver, then you could be anything up to 33 to 35. Because I paid 10.50 for a small 10 kilo bag down in Cara Savine. That's, that's a lot then, isn't it? No, I didn't know you were plenty of money, Nate. No, no, it's a price for everybody. <laughs> this is how you're coming by. <laughs> this how you're no, coming. it's a price for everybody. <laughs> I, it's not, but the 10 kg, you're talking the 20 kg bag. They didn't have them, up, they're only there. selling 10 kg bags. And oh. that's how you're coming to wise and biggest. You are plenty of money down there. Go on, get go on, mind help. yourself. Go on, I'll <laughs> see you later. Fair play, the great Kieran Gould. Only man to get your coal from. Uh, text 0868104106. Just with regards to yesterday, Jim O'Hearn is a roofer. He's got some, maybe six or seven roofs done already this morning and is another, as at least that had more to do before the day is out. Jim, good morning. How are you, boy? Where, where, so you're, 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 you're on call. Do you, like, do you get call outs from insurance companies or what? Oh, we do. We're, we're doing that all the time. We always switch off for the storms to the insurance company. So, but everybody has that in their policy if they look at it, you know. Um, or maybe you have to tick a box to get on the policy. And then it's free when we call out. It doesn't cost anything, you know. Ah, so yes. I'd surely be God. All house insurance policies would cover you for roof damage. So what's the point in having it otherwise? Yeah, there's a difference between the house. Between the, we say, look, there's a difference with a call out now and getting the, getting the work done. But to get emergency cover... That should be in your in your insurance, and it's free. But after that, if there was claims, that's an extra thing. Then you would organise that as well. You know? So, but is it the case that people should be ringing their insurance company as opposed to looking up the number of a roofer? Is it? Well, I, I, you know, you know what happens when we get storms. You get certain people to be putting ads in papers, and you don't want the wrong person calling to the wrong ho- to the house. You know, you don't. Especially if it's elderly, Neil. You know, you you run these stories so many times. So we're back in this season now again. Just people be careful, you know? Yeah. What kind of damage then? Um, I mean, it was windy and it was wet, but fairly typical of Irish weather, I would have thought. What kind of damage would it do? Well, we had big storms yesterday. I mean, uh, there was one wind blew yesterday. It was worse than the field. Oh my God, we were in an area. It was rocking the oak trees. But we had a lot of flooding around Claro. Now, you could see that under the roads we couldn't pass. But uh, mostly roofs. But a lot of the damage, Neil, is uh, are people too not maintaining their property. You know, the old... They'd have all damage in the roof. They'd be just kicking the can down the road, you know. So it's coming to get you. Yeah, it was just they'd run out. Of, it was the roof came off of something down in Yall. Did you see that? It was like just peeling butter. It was just amazing the power of the wind. But that's exposed yeah, that was, to the that sea. Was exceptional. That was exceptional though, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. is it is it slates and stuff like that, or is it um, is it entire roofs coming off? No, no, just you know most of the damage is fairly minimum. Like, and you get a lot of fascias and stuff that's coming off, but they're they're only coming off because they've been put on wrong. All the backing boards are rotten when fellas years ago were putting fascias and stuff in houses. They didn't bother changing, put on good timber. It's coming back to haunt people now. City's full of that. Yeah. Do you rub oh, your hands definitely. in glee then when you hear news of a storm on the way? <laughs> well, yeah, well, I, I, I would generally go to the tourist office and book a holiday and get things ready, you know? All right. <laughs> Stay safe up there, all right? All right, bye. Keep it cool. Luck, cheers. Take care. By text to 0868104106. Regarding that man in Cove, yes, Sean Feeney, who lost his life at the age of 29, got a heart attack, 
chasing thugs away from his house. Those youths are, in a way, responsible for his death. Parents in Cove now need to investigate where their kids were on the night and to get to the bottom of what happened. The guardie can't touch them as the PC nuts and the judges who live in the little glass bubbles will destroy the guards if they deal if they ever dealt correctly with those thugs. We need to call this type of antisocial conduct out and do it now. Another one. We've had a summer from hell um, in Cove from these teenagers pushing me off the footpath, throwing rocks at me, banging on my windows, scaring my kids, roaring names at me, threatening us. I don't know any of them, and they're attacking anyone that passes them. Just look sideways. Even don't look at all. Parents know what they're doing, and they don't care. Once they aren't at home, annoying them, the parents. It was so scary, and I didn't feel safe in my own home. We work hard and just want to be left alone. I'm heartbroken at what happened to that young man, Sean, and now his heartbroken partner and beautiful kids have to live with the consequence. They go around in huge gangs, up to 40 boys and girls, telling you that they're untouchable. It's disgraceful. Action needs to be taken. Don't give up my details. Back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. I'm local in the area and I can tell you that we have told the parents, we've gone up there and spoken to them and they all have their own excuses. My Johnny wasn't there, he was at his granny's house or he was somewhere else. Uh, One day the parents came down while they were throwing stuff and I thought they'd get a telling off, but they just dropped off a hurley and a slitter and drove off again. That blood of that man is not only on the hands of these kids, but on their parents too. And the children themselves know their rights off by heart. They'll say, I don't consent to you touching me or videoing me. They'll call you a paedophile. They know every trick in the book and the parents support them as well. It's got to be hell out there for some people just trying to live peaceful, quiet and enjoyable lives. Um, Because you're dealing with people, of course, uh, who are underage and know the rules and the law backwards and they can't be touched. That's why people would suggest vigilantism, nothing wrong with it. People need to get together, take back the power. Um, A 29-year-old dies of a heart attack and people are blaming the scumbags, but no one is asking uh, why he had a heart attack in the first place. Would you please give me a break? In all fairness, do you know what you're even saying there? Um, You know, an underlying condition, I know, I get it. This was definitely linked to chasing the scumbags from his door. Come on, you need to be able to see that. Anyway, text 0868 We'll come back to that. Uh, great great news for you. We've got Vicky Keating in student studio this morning with Anya O'Gorman to play us out live. And some interesting stories, exciting news for them to share. But just ahead of that, I was talking, actually, can I just, can I chat actually, if you don't mind, to Mikhail. Mikhail, Mikhail, good morning. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, my man, I'm good. I was just chatting with the lads there because I came across a lad there recently who's in Cork. He takes photographs of people who are now living in Cork and have made Cork their home from all over mm-hmm. the world. It's probably something on Instagram called, you know, Beautiful Cork People. And it's a fabulous site. He just constantly puts photographs up of individuals and couples. You kind of do something similar, but it's with videos, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, it's with videos, and um, I try to to focus uh, as well, like on artists and uh, and craftsmen, uh, and yeah, people in general. You know, like having a, a good uh, impact on the community. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. You've done the like- Echo Boy, David Hogan. I know you've also done the lads at Rebel Distillers. I think they're laying down the gin, and you also did Martin the Cobbler up on Shandon Street and people like that, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. So I did uh, all of them. Like uh, David, for me, was, you know, like one like I had to do. 
like and the response for um, this video from everyone was uh, was amazing like it's really like uh, like someone of the city and i oh, got so totally. many yeah, yeah. messages he's, you know even of people who were living in cork a long time ago and who left but who could remember this uh, echo uh, and he told so, his story so beautifully outside the GPO. Can you do the Echo Boy shout, can you? Echo, evening, Echo. Can you do it? <laughs> You're going to do it for me? Sorry, me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> echo. Where are you from, Mikhail? <laughs> I'm from uh, France. From France. You obviously, from don't, France obviously yeah. don't have newspaper sellers on the streets of France because that was appallingly mm. weak. Yeah, unfortunately, no, not in uh, France. Uh, we don't have them anymore, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really so, nice, you know. So, so when you came here and you left France, right, you kind of did the long route. You decided to put on a penguin suit and come to Cork via Antarctica. Is that right? Uh, so so the uh, so this uh, project was a project I had yeah, long, uh, long time ago. I was to reach from Paris to go to Antarctica and to document uh, everything, so to... To film each hiking and yeah, with a penguin suit, you know, to make it all more, uh, all more fun, a funnier trip. <laughs> but but you hitchhiked <laughs> to Antarctica, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, to to be fair, I I didn't make it all the way to Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> I had to stop in uh, in Ushuaia. I couldn't find a boat after. But yeah, that was a uh, that was a, a long. Trip, you had yeah. a problem hitchhiking across open sea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but, how long? Uh, yeah, have, so well, how long have you been in Cork now? Uh, five years. Are you working up an apple? Years. Are you the man keeping the show on the road up an apple? Yeah. Uh, no, so I, I started in Apple, but then I left. Now I'm working for uh, for Telus, uh, but uh, yeah, as well in uh, in informatic um, stuff. But uh, yeah, I want to do videos. My full job at some point, you know. You're making uh, so a good start because you're getting to talk and meet and record some wonderful people. Well, I saw the watercolorist you did, Sebastian, down on the docks yeah. doing a beautiful watercolor of some of the cranes down there. It was gorgeous. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, very good. But like everyone I filmed, um, well, first of all, like every time, everyone I contacted, uh, either by email or social media, like I got an answer every time, and that's something that, uh, like, I'm I'm not sure in France if I contacted people like this randomly asking to do a video for them. I'm not sure a lot of people would have answered, but here in Cork, like everyone was. Everybody, uh, yeah. Should they all want yeah, their five minutes of fame? You see, everybody wants yeah. to be on television on camera. So if people want to go and see all of the videos, and I highly recommend that they do because they're all beautiful stories. Where can they see them, Mikhail? So there is my uh, my YouTube uh, page. So with my name, Michael uh, Dokuto, and uh, then my um, on my Instagram, uh, same thing, Michael uh, Michael And uh, yeah, like for now, I'm uh, publishing like one video a week. Um, one video and, uh, a week. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what I do. I'm going to put the link up as well on our platforms, so people can bounce oh, over perfect, to yours yeah. then, and they can check out everything you're doing. All right. Thank you very much. Neil. Sounds good, man. Keep it up. You've got a good list behind you already. Keep them going. Keep the videos coming. Take care of yourself. Thank you very much. All right. Text 0868 It's a wonderful way of capturing people from Cork in the moment of what they do and where they are and where they've come from and where they're going. And it's all part of our uh, tapestry and our history and our culture. Speaking of which, uh, Vicky Keating and Anya O'Gorman after the break. Talk.
to Neil Prendeville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. In studio, Vicky Keating and Anya O'Gorman. Great to have you in, guys. Um, and thank you for taking the time. Vicky, uh, the time when you were supposed to come in some months mm, ago, yeah. we had to cancel I because know. you weren't well. Yeah, so uh, sorry. How, how are you now? Um, I'm doing very well, Neil. I'm responding very well to treatment. I had very good um, mid-treatment scan. Everything was shrinking. Um, so I'm compared to where I was uh, in June, say May, uh, it's it's night and day. You yeah, know? So yeah, energy's yeah. back. Devastating you know? to get a diagnosis like cervical oh. cancer, though, because we all know of the stories over the past few years. Yeah, it was it was devastating. I mean, on the day my sister Mandy was with me, and um, I just couldn't believe it. Do you know that it was stage four as well? Do you know, like and. Um, oh, you'd think the worst. That'd have been oh, a dark day now. I was say. planning my funeral, to be honest with you. Do you know, I mean, um, you know, it was awful. And my sister was there. She was just saying, you know, you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Do you hear me? You're not going anywhere. And Anya was incredible. Do you know, you really find out who your friends are. And like she was bringing dinners to the house, driving me to all my appointments. I can't even remember most of it, to be honest with you. It's a weird headspace to be in. Yeah, because yeah. physically, of course, you've got a lot going on in your yeah. body, but mentally and psychologically and everything, um, yeah. you'd be very down, I would think. Oh, yeah. And you'd need somebody to try and lift you up. I, I yeah. don't know. I, I, I'm so surprised at how positive Vicky was. It was yeah. a testament to her. Like, she never was, you never complained. Like, I was, if it was yeah. me, I would have been, so, like, you were so positive. And also, Might have been too frightened yeah. to complain. Might but have she, been too she frightened. was so <laughs> huh? grateful, though, as well. Yeah. Like, whenever yeah. I was talking to her, yeah. she was had nothing but positive things to say about the mm. staff and COH. Yeah, they're amazing. Like, you know, it was, I, I couldn't believe how incredible you were during those darkest of days at the start, you know? Yeah, I, I suppose, uh, I suppose being a member of AA as well, you kind of have uh, a bit of training <laughs> for myself. In what way? Like, the just the gratitude, Neil, do you know? Do you remember, I mean, I was doing... Um, Oh, I remember doing the step tens that I would have done in treatment, the gratitude lists at the end of the day. And I, every day I say what I'm grateful for, no matter what it is, if it's only tiny. Is that something you need to do every single day? Because yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I saw an interview recently with, yeah. uh, I think it was Adam Clayton, and they asked him, when did oh, you last really? struggle with yeah. regards to not having a drink? And he said, yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I was at a PJ Harvey concert the other day, people drinking all around me. And I thought, wouldn't it be so nice? <laughs> Yes, because you could say, you know. after all I've been through, yeah, don't you think it. I deserve... But you have exactly. to kick back into you gear. You have to click wow. back in and say, you fast forward the tape and realise the destruction and havoc you're going to cause in your life and your family and your friends. You know, my, my, my daughters would never speak to me again. God, uh, it's amazing. Story. Isn't it amazing yeah. that you can use those skills yeah. to handle something like cervical cancer? Yeah, they're transferable. They Aren't are they? for sure. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and like also, it, it begs that we need to remind people to go for smears and checks, I right? You, did, I know. you hadn't missed, like there wasn't a misdiagnosis or a, a falsely red smear or anything? I no? am so disorganised. I was not looking after myself properly and then <coughs> COVID was around and I, you know, I just, it didn't occur to me. Um, I think it's, the ADHD or something it just puts it all into different categories and I don't think of things like that don't come up into my awareness you know uh, yeah. so it was a real shock you know it was it was, it was horrible <laughs> um, it's chemo's tough tough I'd say yeah it's tough you know it is a tough thing I'm thankfully my family are amazing my parents did out a room for me in their tiny house like uh, in Cove um, so I was in Cove for basically the first six weeks they were just looking after me back with mammy and yeah. daddy 
yeah. the family home. It was, it was gorgeous. Sister Mandy coming in every day, Ollie bringing me to treatments from Cove. Um, my niece Karen dropped me here, there and everywhere. And just, it was lovely because it brought us closer as a family as well. Do you know what I mean? And that's not Sickness can do that. Yeah. Death can do that yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 I saw that no. recently myself. Yeah. yeah. And a friend actually who went so through. A, no, you can't. Listen, he, dad. my dad had a yeah. long life. You know, you yeah. deserve a much. You deserve as equally a long life as Thank him. You. And hopefully, you get. But a friend who who went through mm. of chemo and and a very very strong, brave, courageous man. But mm. he said he didn't have the strength to get out of the bed. He no. just didn't have the will to no. eat nor get up. He just wanted to no. shut the door and let the world go away. That's exactly it. So I it's a very brave thing to come through. Yeah, thank you. I mean, uh, but I, but again, like when you go, I'm in the South Infirmary and the staff there are just, they're angels. Mm. There's no other word. Mm. They are running from patient to patient. Yeah. They cannot do enough. They cannot do enough for people. Yeah. And I've yeah. met some wonderful friends there as well. Hello, Kay. <laughs> and, uh, do you know, just, it's lovely. I, I look at it as a spa day. I'm not going, I'm, I'm going to get medicine, but it, in my head, I'm going for a spa day. Because they get to do nothing for five hours, six yeah. hours. Yeah. No. Yeah. And Absolutely. And they like, do what they do every day, day yeah. in and day out. And they show yeah. the same respect yeah. to everybody, new patients, somebody coming back. Yeah. Um, you, you'll move to Pembro now, won't you? The, the drug That's that right. very brave women fought for, for yeah. women on, like you yeah, on your behalf. Exactly. I'm Vicky so grateful and the, and the for girls. that. Yeah. yeah. That's it. You know, and Without to Vicky, now. you wouldn't yeah. have. No. And Pembro no. is a, a powerful one. You, we mm. were chatting about that a second ago, weren't we, on you? This is, yeah. this drug's a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I've seen it um, with Victoria. You've been on Pembro with the chemo. I have. Um, yeah. But like, it's like night and day, you know, from mm. before she started treatment you know mm. in the last month you're, you're yourself again yeah, yeah. do you want to tell us the joke that you said that oh. the, old, the old Vicky is back we drove to um, Limerick um, on Monday for an interview and um, I was driving but Vicky man, Vicky was um, there was a lot of road rage going on I'm just going to say beside oh me in the, yeah. in the she's back and I was delighted to see it I was going you know this is a very good sign that Vicky's and back to herself behind the wheel of a car. she's going pass him out pass him out <laughs> Yeah, so... so you, well, you take the three penalty points then for harassing her. I would, of course, like I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah would. Oh, my God, we're oh. off chatting about all sorts of different things. And I want you to play, and I know that... Um, You've collaborated on a lot of different bits and pieces in the past, beautiful mm. pieces of, of, of music, but Thanks, is there a Eurovision 24 in the mix somewhere? Yeah, there is, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, we're at And the song switching. is written, uh, is, mm. it, is it Bealtaine? Bealtaine. Bealtaine, what does mm. that mean? It's a mouth of fire, literally, mm. but it, it, it's associated with Bealtaine as well, you know, that time of year in May. Yeah. So. so you can't play it for me no, no, because you'd be fired out like. of the competition, I apparently. Know, no, I understand the rules. Yeah. I know how yeah. they work. Yeah. But it, is it upbeat or is it is it a ballad? I, I think you describe it as a kind of a a tribal yeah. Celtic anthem, like it's yeah. it's very big song. It's, yeah. Oh, thank God! Yeah, it's, it's, I know. It's, it's has like, it got a lot? Of, has it got, it got a, lot, a lot of drumming? There's yes. loads. Of Martin Lee, he's yeah. actually drumming. So, on it. You know something? We need that because the Eurovision entries have just yeah. been so so bland, wet. Yeah. yeah. But this is yeah, this is yeah. like a real. It's a huge song. Yeah, it's there's a load of Irishness in it, and there's we we love it, and we're we really love proud it. Of it. Yeah, and we then. didn't write it for the Eurovision. That that's the thing. We just wrote the song, and we we thought like this has legs this has a life yeah. beyond the couple of weeks I'd on love the to radio. know more about it is it, yeah. is it a big band then have you got different performers joining you you mentioned Martin Leahy for instance yeah we will have yeah um, so we haven't that pinned down yet I think we're only allowed how many 
five on stage, on stage. Five on stage. There's a choir in this. I mean, I yeah. don't know how we're going to get around yeah, that. Yeah. But, but yeah. there's, and we, the song is really kind of hopeful. It's about yeah. um, rebirth and, yeah. you know, spring is like a fresh start and you can start Every again. Time. So there's a lot of hope mm. in the song as well, there which is. I think yeah. is, yeah. is what we need at the yeah. moment. Yeah, hope. yeah. So we stay, will we stay yeah. with the, um, with the, with the Eurovision theme then, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, there's still yeah. So are you, are you doing an ode to Johnny Logan or something? Of course yes, we are. Yeah. yeah. And Shay Healy. And Shay, pardon me, the late, great Shay Healy. Beautiful man. Yeah, yeah. So what, what do we got? What's another year, is it? Or at yes. least the interpretation of Vicky our and version. Anya? Yeah, yeah, our version, yeah, exactly. Okay, <laughs> well, we're all ears, ladies and gentlemen. Off you go. Thanks, Nick. I've been waiting such a long time Looking out for you But you're not near What's another year? I've been waking Such a long time Reaching out for you But you're not near What's another There. It's like as if the two of you are joined at the hip every time oh, you play that's together. That's so nice oh, that's of you. Thanks. Gorgeous. We feel Thanks. like we are when we're singing. Isn't it a beautiful really really interpretation like... of it? It's gorgeous. Oh, yeah, thank you. Wow. Like tender and feminine or something. We love, oh, like... we love singing it. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful song, though. So, no. that's, so you've got a new album for 2024 mm-hmm. and that will feature on that, yeah? Yes, yes absolutely. absolutely. And, yeah. and Bailton as well. <laughs> Hopefully, as yeah. a Eurovision winner, maybe. Wouldn't it be so great if you made it through and we got a good shot at Eurovision with the two of you? I mean, it's a, it's an amazing.
amazing song. It's it really definitely, is. Like, you could see it as a Eurovision winner, so yeah, we're hoping. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Hold on there a second, because if we play my cards right, we might get a second tune out, oh, if you don't oh, mind. Nice, and, nice. And, uh, and we can use that time wisely. <laughs> just while that's happening, though, I just want to reference back. Just hold on there, girls. I just want to reference back one quick call. Liam, good morning. Oh, yeah. Are you a photographer? I am, yeah. Okay, professional photographer. And were you moved by the story of Sean and Amy and their three young children? Sean, um, who's got very little time left and they want to make memories. Was that why you got in touch? Yeah, because most like in weddings, the reason I do photography is because it's like giving them a moment to look back on forever, especially the good memories, like on a wedding day. They're they're trying to build memories and the Cork City Hospital Children's Club are sending the family, the entire family, to Euro Disney, right, because they want to build memories there. To take some photographs would be beautiful because you do them, you as a professional, you would get them just right. Yeah, and like my style is not posed. I like to have them as they are as a family unit. Okay. I don't like to stand up and look at me kind of pictures and more like I let them be in their environment and Okay. Well I'm gonna them. I'm gonna allow you to hook up with them, okay? And you can yep. work directly with them and you can do some beautiful photographic portraits for them. And I wanna thank you for that. You're very kind, all right. Thank you. Okay, fair play. If anybody wants to give uh, as little or as much as you wish or can afford, uh, the GoFundMe continues. It's called Making Precious Memories for the Fullers. Now, it stands at the moment at 19,000. And when we were chatting with them yesterday morning, it was coming in at 12,500. So you've been very generous in the past 24 hours. Thank you. But let's see if we can drive that up as far as we can. It doesn't bear thinking. And I hope that there is some... You know, the world is full of miracles. I'm quite sure that, um, you know, that Vicky and Anya would agree with me. And I hope that there's some miracle for Sean, um, that everything works for him. If you, if you don't hope, you know, if yeah. you don't, you know, if you don't hope, what's the point? You just, there's you know. no reason to live without hope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, do us a favour and play us out your beautiful talents. What have you got for us? We've got a song yeah. called Sweetbird that we released in July. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. The one we should have been in for. So and thank you so that. much for this. <laughs> oh, what is it, a cinnamon bun? A cinnamon bun from Wildflower, our oh local bakery. Oh my God, so yeah. I got a cinnamon bun and I, would it go well with a jam bun? A jam yeah, bun It'll bun. be perfect with a jam bun. Let's <laughs> 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 see, half first. <laughs> Off you go, girls. Here we go. Vicky and Onion <laughs> Studio <laughs> Live. Sweet bird, sweet bird, sweet Last night I had a dream Of richest earth and meadows green
First album will be is it Mouth of Fire in yes, 2024? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, That's looking forward to it. Thank don't you. be don't Thanks be strangers, so guys. Don't be strange. Okay. Thank you so much for the um, cinnamon bun. I've been told that I have to try. Do you guys eat jam buns? Yeah, my sister Love loves them. Do you, do you want one? Yeah. Do you want one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I will. I'll have a jam bun. It's supposed to be a cork delicacy. I've never had one. And you can combine the two. Might be a new thing. You could yeah, exactly. Cinna- a cinnabon. Cinnabon or a jam cinnabon. I have no idea what all of the hula is about. It's just and the jam buns. Well, what's serious? the big deal? I love them. You're, it's cold though, so would that make a oh, difference? Oh, that makes a total difference. Oh no, no, you'd have to have that heated up for would sure. I? You would. It's yeah, it's grand, but I fair. can't see what all of the big it's song a, and dance it's is about. It's kind of a mermaid thing, I think. My sister mm. loves them. Mm. It's cloy and it's claggy yeah. and it's pastry yeah. and it's, it's a bit a of cheese. And saggy butt, but you know it's yeah. What so you say? I have. A, you said I have a saggy butt. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Disclaimer. Absolutely not. Thank you so much. I'm actually disturbed that you're even looking at my butt, but that's for another day. You're definitely back to yourself, Vicky. You're back to yourself and I'm out of here. Have a good day, guys. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.